Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese. I'm your host, as always. Joining me today on this uh, January 28th edition is Josh Torres. Yo, folks. Hey. And we got Adam Vitilli. I'm back. Great. Welcome back, of course, as always. We appreciate whenever you're on. And He's Brian, alive. He is alive. After a little bit of a break, he's back. And then also back, shorter break this time, Brian Vitelli. Hello. Great. All right. So, yes, uh, I should say this is January 20, 2017. Give itself a, a timestamp. Not a whole lot uh, happening in the news this past week. I know the last podcast we talked about all the Fire Emblem news that broke after that direct that they had back on the, um, when was that? The 18th? Eighteenth and nineteenth, yeah. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. It's weird. Okay. Uh so yeah, it it's been it's it's not been as crazy, but there was some big news that happened. But before we get into that, as always, we like to talk about the games that we've been playing. Josh, you've had a more eventful week than I think any of us had. Uh what have um, you been up to? It was eventful in the sense that it was like just at the time of this recording it was this morning. Oh, okay. Um <laughs> yeah. so I'm kind of starting to really dab into like kind of the semi high end stuff of like video capturing and whatnot because I kind of uh get a lot more higher quality stuff for the site uh, on the video end. Yeah. So um I ordered uh I finally uh, dipped out on a Majorel internal capture card and that was uh, it's uh, definitely on the high end. It's like around 300. So explain so, explain what that is. It's the Majorel, right? Uh, is that okay. that's supposed to be better for capturing, correct? Yeah, so the Basically, Majel is a brand that's kind of relatively unknown compared to like uh, Avermedia or the I forgot who else. Um, so what you get is basically this little card, very thin, very small, that you plug into a PCI Express slot in your computer. And the one that I got uh, has one uh, HDMI input and one DVI input. So the nice thing about this one is that um, it uh, it allows me to uh, get direct footage off of like older stuff because the dvi input um when it, it comes in the mail it has a dvi to a component or rgb um converter in it so it's just basically dvi on one side and a whole bunch of other uh inputs on the other so i just actually before this recording started i started like uh putting the component cables together or not or whatnot trying to do uh something with the ps2 and test that out yeah so uh Go, so going to this, like the whole thing that I wanted to do with this was I wanted a way for me to just play uh, get console games on my other PC monitor without uh, losing like vital info on the other monitor. So I still have tabs on like you know Discord, uh, Twitter, IRC, etc. Wherever people need me. Um, need what, you? What, <laughs> whatever, need yeah, people need, whatever people need me because people like always. Oh, yeah, I'll be there. My country needs uh, me. <laughs> so I want because my previous solution to this was it was kind of only restricted to the PS4 uh, with its PC remote play stuff and how I did that uh, before was I had a LGP live gamer portable and I basically made it so I hooked the console up to an HDMI splitter to that external capture card and the capture card would get direct feed off of the uh card itself like when i opened up obs it would feed off of the lgp video stream directly while i'm playing on the pc uh ps4 remote play so that was kind of not great for a number of reasons some 
first it was like noticeable input lag. It's not like two second input lag, but like it like maybe the half a second, which is easily noticeable and kind of it, it irked me a lot. Along with on remote play, you're sacrificing a lot of the quality when you uh, when you play. Like you see a lot of pixelated, crushed blacks and whatnot, and it was just it just wasn't a great picture. It's like I'm sure like it looks decent on the stream itself because it's getting it from the capture card itself. But on my end, I was like not really having that much fun because it looked like a blocky mess at times. Well, and depending you also on the rely connection. on like streaming over your network versus direct yep. plugin. It's like going from Wi-Fi to Ethernet or something like that. Pretty it's like much, very, it's a it's a noticeable difference, especially if you're the type who wants to enjoy that same experience that you would get. And this also made it um, on my old setup uh, very difficult to stream games or uh, get footage of them if they like for some reason there's a select handful of games that will block remote play on them so like say hmm. gundam breaker 3 or uh, g generation genesis like those completely block remote play probably because of license reasons or whatnot i, I don't would know. say that's it's probably meant more that they'd rather you buy that platform's version <laughs> like that they Maybe. don't want you to yeah. do it. like i know that's that's been the case with like obviously not for pc but like ps3 and vita and stuff like that uh, they'd rather you buy uh the yeah that version itself yeah, that that makes the greedy uh, bastards. All of my sense. <laughs> yeah, so like the only re- way I could like play that while like being on a mic is like to like swing my head over the TV and like kind of like position my mic on there and hopefully it doesn't get like I have to turn my TV's volume down very low so my mic doesn't get that and like so if I talk and the TV's going it'll activate the mic but it'll still you'll still hear the background game footage and that's not a great solution either because oh, no. you, you you can't see the chat either to interact with them as well so i was like okay i'll opt for you know a, this is a more costly solution but it'll uh, it's, it's more of a gamble but i'm willing to bet on it so this morning uh i woke up and i kind of d- dusted out my pc and whatnot and i popped it in so i booted up uh downloaded the drivers and whatnot so the this is where things got get a little tricky because when you're installing like you know new stuff a lot more new hardware um, it you never know what's gonna happen until like you just fire it up. So my my intent going into this was like, okay, I'm just gonna pl- do all my PS3, uh, all my console gameplay rather, on uh, through OBS because there's uh, direct input and whatnot. And so I fire it up and there's a picture. I'm like, okay, uh, but the problem with this picture was there was like a weird like magenta pink filter over it. Like it like it looked like the, the gra- like the color range was like totally off. And I was like, this is okay. But I checked the input lag, and the input lag on it was like nearly 1 1. Like, it's like you will only notice it if you've played, like, high, like, say, fighting games for like many, many years. Like, it, like there's maybe a 1 to 2 frame input lag on it at most, but it's it's pretty much 1 1. Yeah. Um, so that that was that was awesome, but I need to fix first the picture, and then there was no audio as well. So I was thinking, okay, well, so after tinkering around with it a bit and actually one of the problems with it was there's this old hdmi cable that i had the, uh, with the uh, lgp card that like i kind of swapped out for the uh, hdmi cable that came with the wii u and then that fixed the color range problem that works <laughs> yeah but the but the, the benefit problem... of having a wii u <laughs> yeah <laughs> what are the right benefits? finally yes. it finally paid off yes. um 300 later <laughs> whatever it was and, <laughs> and um the, there's a weird problem because 
the, there was still the color problem on OBS, but then I tested it on their proprietary uh, Capture Express or whatever software, and then but the color range on that was fine uh, after I swapped it out. So the colors were on the one that I didn't want. So I kind of consulted with a friend, and uh, a friend's like, "Hey, why, like, why don't you like get another service that like lets you output this uh, video?" Uh, like, you're not saying you have to commit to it, but, like, let's just see if that's the problem. I'm like, okay, so I went to go download XSplit and whatnot. And then, lo and behold, I put that on there, and the colors are fine. I'm like, oh, shit, there's definitely a bug with OBS then. So at least we were able to isolate the problem fairly quickly on that end. Uh, so there's still no audio and whatnot on all this, but, uh, no, I got to fix that up later. But the, the whole moral of the story, like, the whole, like, end goal of this was... I, it, it was soul crushing this morning, but I had to pretty much migrate over to XSplit now because there's no like solution for this out there anywhere oh. because the major cards are like, they're super good, but they're, no one really knows about them, let alone not a lot of people have them because of the like the high price range. It's like black so, magic in a way. Cause a li- yeah, a little. Yeah, not a lot of compatibility. Yeah, yeah. and it's just it, trying to get like, trying to find like solutions to like weird problems you may have on your end like you could be like the first one out there who has who's had this problem because of just a relative you know population for it um so i ba- i basically had to like come to terms with you know probably letting go of obs and i had to i've been kind of learning xsplit no. uh, this morning and so i was like i get, to do anything on xsplit you need to basically pay for it so they, I was looking at their site. I'm like, well, I have to spend money, uh, like, to actually use this thing. Yeah. So I looked at the options, and lo and behold, because technology, you know, can be a bitch at times. I they had a, a sale on there that as of the time of this recording, like 55 percent off their lifetime license for like 200 bucks. I'm you like, got a lifetime membership? I did. I did oh my because, gosh! You, because if, if, I, if I did if I did a sub, it would be uh, more costly for me in the long run. If oh I, my gosh! Well, at least it now. It also apparently they updated to add beam support. Uh, they have to. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. The, the full-on support. That. that oh, that's there. cool. So that was my technology woes this morning. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, a huge swing, but yeah. It yeah it, it it took it took like it, it took like maybe like because after all this, I did like a test stream on my end, making sure everything's fine. People yeah. giving me feedback and whatnot, and so then like that. that. So after like waking up until like one today like maybe a grand total of like six hours to finally you know be at a point where like okay i feel comfortable with how this is going i'm still yeah it's longer than you when you built your computer i think right my computer my my computer took a while because there was like a a lot of weird uh problems came in like first like a a faulty motherboard came in oh uh, and that that took forever to actually like isolate i actually had to like go to a, a local specialist nearby to actually like do diagnostics on it and whatnot, and that fucking sucked. But that that was a that was a dark point in that last year. But you know, it's uh, it, it's tough because and I was building this computer last year. Like when I was thinking of the parts, I was like, I want to future proof this. I I want this to be like say four years down the road. The only the only upgrade I want to think about is maybe a new video card. That's it. I don't want to think about like expanding RAM. So like I was able to you know get a good deal on thirty two gigs of RAM. Um, and then uh, have a really great CPU. Like I got like an i7 6700K, and that that'll last me a good while. And just because the 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 things that I do in terms of like you know 
uh, photo editing, uh, video editing, and whatnot. You kind of every sort of like hardware pays off in the end because you're just making it that much easier on the on the computer itself. And it's just I, I, I'm excited to like uh, like hook up all my other like old consoles to it, like my PS2. I think I have my PS1 still back there, and N64 and Dreamcast. Like uh, this, like the nice thing about this major is like. It'll let me go back to them and like capture footage directly. I don't have to rely on old trailers and whatnot to like for that stuff. Do you, do you have like a? I'm sorry, I don't know if you already said this. Is that does it have mm-hmm. like a composite or component input? Yeah, there's a there's a DVI uh, input on okay. the card itself, and then it come it ships with a, a DVI to RGB and component oh, uh, adapter cool. on it. Oh, cool. So yeah, awesome. the, I'm uh, excited to see how that how that looks. It looks amazing, and just the way it forms is. Like I, I'm, I'm sure the more that I use it, the better I'll feel about you know how much I had to actually put into this. Yeah, I wonder. It's how much did it cost you for the for that? Okay, so the card itself was three hundred, and then Ooh, the license okay. was two hundred. So Jesus. I'm crying, but you know, I tax returns almost here. It's tax well, I hope it here. compares to the Frame Meister because <laughs> otherwise, that's yeah. I mean, obviously, like in the long run, that's that's a pretty good benefit. Um. But yeah, that's yeah, it's, that's it's, an investment. But the the, sure. the nice thing about this too is like I ha- I now have like uh the the back end all set up so like if I decide to stick with my switch pre order that's ready to go. Cool. Yeah. So and you've got other... a whole another system. You don't have to have a TV in order to play games at all. Exactly. Uh, it's it's gonna be good. I'm I'm really I'm just glad that like it's kind of behind me now on that. Even though I had to like let go of OBS in the process because I really like OBS as a program. Like, because I've been, I've used it for a lot of years now, and it's just like, uh, since I had to like, I had to be like forcibly let go of that because who? Because if I if I contacted like OBS, like I don't know how many months it'll take for them to actually like pinpoint the problem because I know I have to go like have constant communication for like weeks and weeks on end, when you know there are things like in the immediate future that like, will will need this stuff to be up and working because even if the problem gets solved, who knows what other bugs can uh pop up in the process of that yeah and you know people are already uh that's like an open source software pretty much Mm -hmm. so like there's people constantly working on plugins and updates and all this stuff so who knows maybe they'll be able to add like sufficient support to that um program and then your lifetime membership will be meaningless no uh that (laughs) you'll be able to uh use that just in case but i mean i love xsplit it's obviously just a subscription that kept me away from it uh and got me used to obs studio but i love xsplit just because the ease of use so you know something to get used to but if you use studio it's a pretty easy transition so yeah xsplit is like uh it's not super different it's definitely the interface itself is so it takes some time getting used to, but the actual functionality of it is uh, it's largely the same. It, yeah, yeah it's, just, it's just a different angle on things. Yeah, multi-track I, recording I, and all that. So yeah, I do I do like that exit is a bit more. It, it gives you a lot more feedback the the more that like you uh, when you're setting things up. So like for example, if you're uh, setting up Twitch streaming. Like and you're looking for a server for it, like where it could be ingested and stuff. On that list, it'll like actually give you a precise like uh, ping timings on like certain regions and is constantly being updated on that list, so you can have an informed decision of like where should which server should I be connected to. Yeah, and, and not to mention, you know, there's a community with XSplit as well, so you can download a bunch of plugins and whatnot for that too. Yeah. Like you can do a search, and there's like tons and like dozens and dozens of those things. So nice to go through. It, yeah, it's just uh, you know, to, te- tech is never easy, but no. 
Absolutely. It's, it's an ongoing struggle, but I'm excited, like, you know, that uh, at least we're, like, kind of ahead of the game in this sense because 1080p60 is not an easy endeavor to embark upon for both streaming and recording. Then it'll be 4K, 120. Oh, enough. fuck, man, if 4K... Oh, it's yeah. just, like, the, the, the nightmare. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I, I really want to try it 4K myself. Yeah, the whole recording and streaming is a totally different nightmare. But aside from that, uh, I know you and Brian have both been playing some Tales of Berseria. How's that been going for you guys? You go, Brian. I've been talking. Yeah, for about 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> I'm just teasing. Uh, I'm about seven or eight hours into it. I think Josh is just a little less because he's been streaming it. Yeah. Um, but I I don't exactly know. Figaria is also playing it for the review for the site. And I think... Correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, but I think all three of us have been pretty positive on it. I've, yeah, I've been liking it so far. I've been a little over four hours in. Right. I mean, it's still distinctively Tales, and without spoiling much of anything, it's got kind of the same strengths and weaknesses that you expect from the series. But I am finding myself enjoying it more on both a mechanical front as well as a narrative front. Uh, there were some parts of the most previous Tales games, Hysteria, that I just thought were like really awful on like in terms of equipment or in terms of battles that I didn't like at all like how you had to pair certain characters together because of their status in the story or whatever and then the equipment was just like a giant mess and I feel like that's been corrected in this game uh I don't that... know I, I don't I'm kind of iffy on the on the whole equipment thing because the the way the equipment works is like you kind of have to grind for their masteries and stuff and it just I, I don't know if I'm feeling the equipment uh yet but then again I'm super early on um, and so, and if you heard typing, that was me. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> but like, and then on the narrative front, it's still very much like the same level of storytelling that you expect from a Tales game. It's not something unrecognizable. But at the same time, I hate the term subverting tropes. I hate that term. Oh, but, yeah. Um, but I do think, I'll, I'll word it this way instead, because it'll be more meaningful. Um, I do think that they make enough changes so far, little wrinkles, where it's different enough where you're like, hmm, that's actually kind of interesting. Like, I'm actually engaged. I remember sometimes some of these stories and some of these games are so cookie cutter that you forget who the char- what the characters are named. Like, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe that's a personal problem, but it's like, oh, look, it's, you know, Batty McBad number one, and there's a superior yeah, no, Batty agree, McBad yeah. number two. And then you kind of beat them in a battle or whatever, and you're like, or he was the dungeon boss, and you're like, who was that again? I don't even remember because it wasn't that important. But this one is doing enough uh, little changes with the characters' motivations, with the uh, the overarching, like, how the how the whole narrative is organized where it's it's a notch better than what we what I've come to expect from the series. It's not stellar, it's not unrecognizably like different, but I think it's just a notch above the last handful of games. Yeah, I haven't really played that much Tales. Like I want to say the last one I played was Zillia 1 and uh, just I I ducked out on Zillia 2 and Zisteria I believe it's called. Um well, it, to, to, sorry, I was just going to bump yeah, in here. Right. I played Zillia 2, and to Brian's point, like, I played it. I'm pretty sure I, like, did everything in it in terms of, like, bonus content and all that. But, like, I don't remember anything about the story, of, like, at all. Like, I think it had something to do with, like, multiple, like, universes in that game. But otherwise, the only thing I remember really is that there's a train in there. That, like, that's the only thing I ever remember. Yeah. <laughs> since people talk about Zillia 2. I'm like, that that had a train in it, right? Yeah, there was a train level. Okay. Oh. Um 
Yeah, but Berseria is a, kind of a, a neat take on the way Tales is usually presented. Like, it, it's still very distinctly Tales, so it's like it's still kind of playing it a bit safe. But there are enough strides in narrative that kind of gives it its own distinct feel as well. To so like, give one, it, oh, mm-hmm. go ahead. I, go I thought you were going to finish that sentence. Oh, uh, like I'm just saying that there's there are already like memorable moments in it that like when I think about Berseria, like five years from now, there's already moments that like I'll remember uh, for it. So yeah, one early game event, and it, this is within the first three hours, and I'll be vague about it, so hopefully this is not in the realm of spoiler territory. There's one early game event where you leave a city, and like any other JRPG, the city has this kind of a name and a theme, and then you end up doing the story events there, and you kind of leave the city worse off than you came in. You don't like solve the problem and everyone praises you like in a typical JRPG, and you're not like comically evil bad dude go in and, you know fuck everyone else's lives up because for the hell of it but it's kind of a more gray middle ground where you go in you you have a your character and your party has a goal you undertake that goal and then the city is worse off for it it's just an interesting enough little change where you're like huh that's a bit different where it's actually kind of interesting and memorable yeah like i remember aaron like she described it as she's a very farther in than uh both of us like it feels like you're kind of playing like a with a, a your party is like a group of bad guys. You're kind of like on the wrong side of the law going into this game for several narrative reasons. And it's just that I'd like that Velvet, the new protagonist, uh, she's definitely more like cold and a rational thinker. Like she's definitely, she has a goal in mind. She's willing to do whatever it takes to like achieve that goal. And I, I kind of like that, that whole shift in tone because like I, I was super getting fed up. I remember, like I think Grace's F and like Asbel's personality of like always oh, friendship uh, and like yeah, the heart, the tree carving. And I was like, man, Asbel, I, so I like using your combat. But I fucking hate the story around you. Uh, so it, it, it's it's kind of a it's it's a nice feel, especially like uh, the Berserius battle system. Like it, it seems versatile and like chaotic in a sense that that like it's amusing. Like it, it, it's very flashy, and it lets you experiment uh, a good degree with like how you want to set up your combos and what's your angle on combat. Uh, it just it, it's consistently entertaining uh, all around. I've I've been uh, live streaming my playthrough on the RPG site uh, Twitch channel uh, and whatnot, and it's just been it's been a blast. I've been having a lot of fun with it. Now I haven't played RPG the game, site. but I've been here. I've been hearing uh, lots of impressions from it, and I'm going. I will. I do plan on playing it. Um, but one thing I heard about it, which is just kind of vague here, but something I think I'll appreciate is that apparently like the perspective that the game offers is a little bit different. Of course, I'm kind of just speaking from grapevine here, but like uh, it apparently just kind of more generally, it's not like a save the world type of plot line. It's not like, a, no, you know, it encompasses not. like you're the most important character in the universe of this game type of thing. It's more it's, it's trimmed down. It's more focused and things like that. Um and I think that is something I'll definitely look for. I'm going to be disappointed if I get to the end and we're not fighting God. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I remember... You're talking about uh, like, though. I don't know if you can do that both things. I remember maybe a, like a little over a year ago, you had like a feature on the site that had like uh, the central theme of this was like emotion versus reason. And they really hammer uh, down on those themes. But in, the, like, in a way that doesn't seem like it's kind of overdone. It's more like, oh, okay, this is exactly like the, the theme of this emotion versus reason. The kind of paints a great like premise of why things are happening like it it's, it doesn't seem nothing seems like it's super left field 
on like why bullshit is happening. It's like there's always some sort of you can always like connect the dots. I'll be honest. When I first heard that was the theme of the game, emotion versus reason, I was, I was actually really skeptical. Like, oh, they're going to this. Yeah. This is going to be like really poorly handled. Like, she's just going to be like a ridiculous hothead or something, and or you know. Um, so I haven't played the game, but apparently it's done a little bit better than probably what I was originally thinking it might be. Maybe that just shows me how much faith I have in this series. <laughs> I know. I'm not like yeah. I'm not a big Tales fan either, but you know, uh, people are saying you should really try this. I'm like, all right, well. Sure, I guess it's time. Awesome. I've been playing. I've been playing on the PC version. How about you, Brian? Uh, same, and it's been a great port so far with just one little AI bug that we discussed today. <laughs> um, That's right. It's yeah. on the Steam. If it's on the Steam forums about how to little how to get the uh, party member AI to work properly, but in terms of performance and everything else and the whole de nouveau scare or whatever i haven't noticed anything no no hiccups really it's been yeah. a great port compared to zestiria where to get that to run at 60 fps you gotta uh, like patch in this weird uh, it's a user patch symphonia, which was i know the symphonia port was uh no one i think, think they i think they finally fixed it but i know when that originally came out it was like really like optimized oh, yeah. and it was and like the I, I played the PS3 version of Symphonia and that like didn't run well at all and it seemed like it was like a straight port of that. So like the Zestiria fan patch worked really well, but it's always kind of dumb when you oh I want to play this Tales game in 60 frames. I I gotta go to this sh semi shady mega upload site and download this patch and hope it's not you know hope it's vetted properly. Yeah, I mean, you usually I'm, like... I'm being a little bit dramatic because usually it's not pretty shady because you've got you know a Steam forum with tons of comments and, and feedback and all that, but it's still a little bit like why do I even have to do this? This is kind of dumb. I, I'm glad that Bandai Namco has finally like you know started shaping up their PC ports, especially with God Eater last year that. Does seem to be great out of the gate for PC as well. It does definitely seem like they're up in their game lately. And yeah, I've been hearing a lot of good things. It's actually got some of the better reviews that series has seen in a while. So uh, very hopeful. And we should have our yeah. own review pretty soon. I, did, I, didn't, I didn't dislike the Zillia games, but they were painfully average. Yeah. And it sounds like Zestereo is maybe even a notch down from that, less than average. So it sounds like this is a... a yeah, I think this direction. is like... this is. Uh, obviously, I'm not done with the game. Uh, I'm not. It's not a stellar JRPG, but it finally breaks that painfully average barrier. I think to look. I can beat the shit out of enemies with like a gigantic like dark claw arm thing. It's it's all right. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, I haven't I haven't played the series since Grace's F, like you guys were talking about. The only thing I remember the most about that game besides the yeah the bland story was doing backflips in combat all the damn time. Like that was like constant backflips, and I was able to get through most boss fights that way, even if I was like slightly underleveled. It was ridiculous. It had a good combat system. I'll definitely say that, and some good yeah. music. I just wasn't a big fan of the game, even if I got to like the extra content. Um, but I'm looking forward to playing some Berseria, maybe when it's on sale. Uh, great though so yeah now it's tales of berseria once it, it's like the big release this week besides uh you know resident evil 7 and uh kingdom arts 2.8 which we've got a review for that up on the site uh, wait, wait I, gotta, I gotta i gotta ask brian who's your favorite character so far uh this is probably velvet um yeah. i mean i've i've just now like got the, the first four main party members uh, and, and then another character who's obviously going to be a party member and uh let's see i don't really i don't know many of the characters very well yet uh the first party memory that you get rokuro mm -hmm. 
he just seems really he he seems himself kind of bland but i still think there's potential there like i know i know aaron said she really likes rokuro he seems all right i i, I kind of don't, don't mind him he's, uh, he's kind of I, mean, he, I mean he's not really like oh i'm hiding a big secret that i'll tell you at the uh, uh, you know inconvenient moment or like he's not painted into some really weird corner. He's right now. He's just kind of bland. They haven't really done much with him yet. So I so I still think the potential's there that they could do more. What if, they, ha- they haven't established him in a way where it's like, nope, I don't like him yet. He just kind of hasn't done and said a whole lot yet, other than tag along. He hasn't really had his role yet. You're saying basically. Right. What I did with the dude, like when, when I got a cowboy hat accessory, I just put it on the guy, and his hair like clips through the cowboy hat. It's fucking. Well, crazy. that's that's why they give you a um, <laughs> like the uh, the hat style haircut or whatever. So nah. Fuck that. But yes, yeah. But like it sometimes. Obviously, I think this game was a PS3 game in Japan. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. It was PS3, PS4. Obviously, yeah. when you can play on computer and the the requirements are pretty light, so you can play in 4K pretty easily, and it doesn't really help a ton just because the texture work is still you know last gen. And there's only so much a resolution bump can do. But it always is a little bit rolls eyes when you like one of the main characters is Arthur and. His hair like clips through his default costume when he's standing up, and it's just like, come on! Like, <laughs> yeah. I could understand if it was like an alternate costume or if he was in a weird position, like sitting down or something. But, but it like, clips what are your main his, clips through his collar when he's standing up, one bang of his hair. I'm just like, Ugh. that reminds me of like when I was playing Extella. Like, one of the main heroines, her costume is so elaborate that I kept clipping it to each other like at five different parts of it. I'm like, come, you got to be kidding me! Especially, especially when it's like the default costume, and it's just yeah. like. This is the one you put the most effort in, and the one you're going to have the most screen time. Right? Come on. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Berseria seems very promising. I'm just glad that you know they finally nailed the Tales game once again. And hopefully, we'll reconvene when we finish and see if our initial positive previews hold up. I, I don't know. I mean, Magillo is in the game, so I, I, it's hard for me to like hate the game already because Magillo's in it. Got a big old fanboy crush on her uh is awesome yeah she's got a book belt how awesome is that yeah, it's like a book skirt thing like, skirt like, thing? Yeah, like the only books. thing i don't like about majalu uh, so far is that her outfit is like completely it it looks like she was transplanted from a different game she almost looks like a, that star ocean mage or whatever that's how i look <laughs> at it transplanted um, just because she wears different clothes I mean, it's a GRPG, yeah. Well, I'm so. guessing maybe maybe, like, maybe the game will explain that or whatever. But it just it just looks like she belongs in a different game. But she's like, subverting tropes. You're she, not supposed she, to she, find expectations out of this. You're you're right, Adam. She belongs in every game. Yes, that would make every right. game better. Ridiculous. But yeah, oh, and I forgot to mention Yakuza Zero is out this also out this week, uh, this past week. But anyway, which Kyle reviewed and really yes. loved, um, and Aaron's reviewing Bizaria. Yeah, she'll have a review up for Take that pretty time. soon. She's been pretty positive about it. She's been playing that whole game in English. Uh, she thought to change to Japanese, but she was enjoying the English voices so much she stuck to that. I'm actually playing in English too, and it's yeah. all right. I mean, there's some familiar voices in there, like Ray Chase or Final Fantasy Fifteen protagonist voice actor Noxus. and erica mendez yeah i think i'm the only one playing in japanese i'm not saying that like the english voice acting is bad i just wanted to play in japanese <laughs> i uh i know velvet is voiced by christina v and i've heard some people say that she does a really good job so 
Nice. Um, I don't have a. I, I don't. I can't comment too much on voice acting because I pretty much always play in English. Sure. So I have like lower standards or whatever. But I will say <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? That's an insult. I'm um, just English a little bit of self depreciating humor or whatever. I but think I will for say, me, it's because I don't want to spend the whole game reading like all the time because it's like. I know well, for me, it's not specifically reading. It's yeah. um, I can look away from the screen to check Twitter on my other other monitor or that's, whatever, and that's really what I mean. Yeah. Or something like that. But um, I will say that like. I don't know how far this opinion really goes or matters, but like Magalu has a great voice. Her her English VA is just pitch perfect for that character, just completely spot on. Nice. Uh, Velvet's good. The rest are all generally good. Rokuro's kind of bland. His bland voice actor kind of goes with his bland character so far. So maybe that's fitting, or maybe like I'm just not engaged with Rokuro so far. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like uh, Yuna in Final Fantasy X, her English voice, where he you know, he kind of sounds bored when he's talking a little sometimes. But maybe that's kind of what the direction is supposed to be. I don't know. But yeah. in general, it's it's pretty good. Innocent, uh, innocent little child kind of thing. Yeah. So that makes sense. So that's been Tales of Berseria, a hot minute of Tales of Berseria, but uh, Josh, do you plan on continuing to stream the game? Yeah, I'm probably going to stream a little bit more tonight. Awesome. As of this recording, of course, mm-hmm. the 28th, but all those uh, uh, streams are going to go up on a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash RPG site now, so you can catch them all up there uh, when you're interested. Um, we've already got part one up right now, and so... Hopefully you don't have any more weird issues with your streaming that I've been hearing about. So, oh, you know, things happen in stream. Yeah, absolutely. But we'll edit them together for they do get interrupted, of course. So, checked out for that. And uh, so outside of that, Adam, uh, we'll turn to you. Uh, of course, Darren talked a little bit about this last week, but he barely got into the game. Like he got it Friday night, and we talked about it Saturday afternoon. So not enough time. But you've been playing some Dragon Quest Eight, and you've had that for a little bit longer than it, Darren, I'm sure. But um, how you've been? How you, how's your experience been with that game so far? Okay, so I guess to start out, like Dragon Quest Eight on PlayStation Two was the first one I played, and I think that's true for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yep. Um, that or seven on PSX. I played Dragon yeah. Warrior, but like that yeah, well, was it was Dragon kid, Warrior. Yeah, seven. then eight was my next one. Well, yeah. those seem to be a lot of people's first because sure. there weren't that many localized before well, that. that. FF12 was, demo. Well, Dragon Warrior was that free, too. so that helped. <laughs> well, I don't even remember that. Anyways, yeah. so I played Dragon Quest Eight on PS2, you know, ten years ago or whatever it was, and I remember liking it a lot. Um, and then, like last year or i guess late 2015 when they announced that dragon quest 7 and 8 were coming to 3ds i kind of decided at that point you know what i'm gonna play through the rest of the series so before this came out i kind of just started at one and went up um and so kind of playing dragon quest 8 again on 3ds is almost like a full circle here and whenever i revisit a game like this especially when i'm so far removed from it and i even i wasn't i didn't even remember uh, a lot of the events in it that well um, because it's just been so long, I'm always kind of hesitant, or I'm always kind of almost nervous that I'm like my memories of it are going to be tarnished. Like, oh, it's not as good as I remember. But thankfully, that's not the case. In fact, I might be liking it more than I than I did before. Um, now that I have kind of this general understanding of the series and familiarity with the series now, and it's a lot more cinematic than the other Dragon Quest games. A lot more dialogue. It's voiced, of course, uh, cutscenes, story points, things like that. Um, but it, it's really just like the, it's one of the best, I think, classic JRPGs out there, like period by classic. I mean, like turn-based it's just, it does everything so well in terms of the exploration on the world map, the battle system, 
boss fights um, in some of the other Dragon Quest games, the difficulty is kind of just not there. You can kind of just breeze <laughs> through it. But Dragon Quest Eight has a couple of boss fights that are actually like legitimately tricky uh, and require, you know, some smart uh, configuration of your skills and teams and strategies and things like that. Um, and so it it it's it's fun. And a lot of the additions they made are like I don't know how if I could go back to the PS2 version. Just I know some people were maybe hoping that they would this would get like an HD remaster instead of a 3DS version. Um, but the 3DS version does add a, b a bunch of things that are just really, really, really appreciated. Like I'm running around the world map, just kind of looking for chests, um, exploring and all that. And it's nice that I can don't I don't have to worry about oh, I'm going to run into a battle every 10 feet or waste a bunch of holy waters to avoid them. Yeah, um, that was a pain. I remember doing that all the time. On the the world map is big, too. So, yeah. yeah, I remember that. Like, I, I think I, I think I recall, like, if you want to explore, like, the end of a peninsula, it's like, oh, it's going to take me a whole 60 seconds to get down there. Yeah, just, it's like a whatever. big endeavor to do that. So, piece of the and on the PS2 version, like, I'm probably going to run into four, five or six fights on the way. Yeah. Um, you can you could you could have used like holy waters in that version. But it's kind of nice that you could kind of like explore this big nice world map and not have to worry about things like that um this time around and also having enemies be like uh icons as well instead of random encounters also helps for things like when you're searching for the enemies that drop a lot of experience or the enemies that drop a lot of money and rather than just hoping they show up in battle like as a rare spawn or whatever you can just right. look around for them mm -hmm. it makes it it's just a lot of those conveniences like that are really nice um so it's a it's a really solid game all around. And I just got to the point where I got the new party members on my team. There's Red, who is basically the pirate lady, uh, and Mori, the monster man, I guess. Monster arena. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Italian dude. And they, have the, the, they are kind of unique in some sense because they can each use a weapon that none of the others can use, like fans and uh, claws. But they also have some innate abilities that are unique that kind of add another element to the game, to the actual combat itself. Like, for example, um, in Dragon Quest VIII, there's this uh, technique your characters can do called psyching up, which is basically like biding time and boosting their power. Um, so you kind of like sacrifice a turn to make your next attack more powerful type of thing. I don't know if you remember that at all. I, I think... <laughs> With, that with sounds main, familiar. With the main character, while. with the main character, if you psych him up all the way, he gets like a super saiyan hairdo. Okay, um, I remember that. Yes. Um, but like Mori, for instance, has these skills that can kind of psych up your whole party. He um, turns like purple, right? Yeah, that's like a. It's Can't wait the, till the current Dragon Ball show steals it, and then you're wondering. Yeah. <laughs> with the purple power up. But yeah, just like Mori has an ability where he can psych up people a little bit more efficiently. Gerda or Red Gerda is her Japanese name. Um, has an ability to base or not it's more of a passive ability where you get more items and money after battle things like that so and they're just kind of cool characters in general so it's nice that you can play with them and kind of mix around your party because in the original release your party is your party you can't really change it or do anything uh -huh. with it so and there's even a couple of boss fights um not every boss fight but a couple of boss fights where you can change your party while you're fighting oh really? that, yeah so that that makes it really really nice when like oh this character is confused or he's just going to be worthless so let me switch him out real quick um to fully healed ready to go party member and it doesn't even take a turn so it's things like that that are just it is it, the game is great it's and it's really charming the voice acting is is great uh 
English yeah. only, but it's it's. I'm really, really enjoying it. I, like I said, I was I was worried that I that I wouldn't enjoy it as much as I thought I did, um, or as I remembered. But it's I'm I'm having a blast. Well, I want to know real quick: is that does it lend itself to a portable uh, environment, or have they oh, done that's, anything that's to do that? Thing. That's another thing. I yeah. don't even remember if the first game did this. I know all the DS games did this. Yeah. So it's not too much a surprise. But you can basically save anywhere. Cool. And okay. I don't know if that original. I don't game think that was. I, I think, think in the original was. release you had to only save at the churches. Yes. Yeah. So, that so was definitely the can... case because I lost progress all the time. <laughs> so. So here you can save anywhere. That so that's good. really useful. Like you can save before boss fights, and like I said, some of the boss fights are not cakewalks. You can save before like uh, I abuse. I abuse the quick save in the uh, casino. Make sure I get all the coins I can. Oh, oh yeah. Take advantage of that. <laughs> That's yeah. Who would have you scouted the casino? If only we all could do that, yes. Table. So it's uh things like that. Um I'm trying to think other if there's any other major changes they made. I don't think so. Yeah, uh, other than there's more costumes and things for some of the characters. Um which are it's cool. just a just a really adorable game. Like I just have very fond memories of it. It just it just strikes a nice balance between story presentation and game gameplay. Like I never felt like I anything any aspect of that game like dragged on for too long. And one thing I like about it, like Dragon Quest six and seven, so I guess a little bit of history. Dragon Quest five has like a it's really story driven. It's like a yes. really personal story. Oh yeah, it's, it's got really like good. is that through generations as well? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, something of the Heavenly Bride, I think. No, yes, Hands of the Heavenly Bride. Yeah. Um and that if you're not familiar if you're not familiar, that's the one with the turban guy. As your main character, <laughs> yes. Uh, but that that's that, that story is probably the best Dragon Quest story. But it's a little bit more personal, a little bit more dramatic. Where six and seven were much much looser, kind of not even focused stories. They're more like adventures, kind of these loose ends. They kind of have like this overarching, um, like plot line or more. I remember they're the, the, to me they're like functional. Like it's it's an excuse for why you have to play this game. Yeah, not necessarily it, it doesn't resonate didn't resonate it's, with yeah me. It's, it's more of a loose kind of like going on an adventure type of thing and not like an epic dramatic story mm-hmm. i think eight kind of makes makes a good uh balance kind of it's yes. not as it's not as like dramatic or as personal as five but it's not as loose and uh just kind of carefree as six or seven so it kind of meets this good balance um which i like so it's it's like the story is kind of interesting enough that you that you like the characters and you like what they're doing and you have a motivation but it's not like in your face um, mm-hmm. over drama or melodrama or things like that. So it's it's nice. It doesn't beat you over the head with like heavy story things. Well, definitely, the uh, Giant Crusade had one of the more memorable casts of characters. I mean, definitely the other games were pretty powerful as well. But yeah, I think everyone loved how Eight was able to do that. One can hope that I will. I will say that. Same. I will say that Eight is definitely, even though the story isn't as like as much of a focus as it is in Five. Obviously, just from yeah. The, platform difference eight is by, by far the most cinematic yeah um so like none of the other dragon quest games really have cut scenes in a sense um not even nine because it was playstation uh, 2 of course so that's you know it lent yeah. itself to that or, a lot or even dragon dragon quest 7 didn't really even have cut no, scenes it's, either well, it's still 2d so it didn't feel the same either so so yeah. like this and this so this is definitely the most cinematic game and it looks like for people who like that type of presentation Dragon Quest Eleven seems to be kind of 
we'll probably have something similar to that. I'm excited. I'm excited because yeah. there's that ninja lady, and I'm excited to see more of her. <laughs> I'll be honest. But yeah, that's that's one can help, but yeah, eight seems to be like the benchmark for the modern ones. As awesome as nine was too. I mean, nine was great. Um, so you know, hopefully it keeps growing and growing because we didn't get ten, so we don't know what that's like. Um, it's like this weird dichotomy between Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest. Dragon Quest is keeping it traditional. Final Fantasy going up on this older thing, but you know it's also the well, size of those franchises Dragon, too. Dragon Quest Nine is actually, in almost in a sense, like an offline MMO on handheld. There's like quests and true. Uh, I just meant more loot. like the aesthetic, you know, just yeah. the design and the style of it. But yeah, absolutely. Nine was yeah, totally way more open ended in the sense. Yeah. So yeah, they're they're pretty much like uh, stark contrast in design philosophy. Like yeah. like uh, the Dragon Quest is, always delivering. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Dragon Quest really likes to refine on like its core like spirit, while FF is very more experimental, while like not necessarily like super concerned of like having it be like super traditional. It, it's just the uh, Dragon Quest very much adheres to like this is definitely a product that we want to evoke the Dragon Quest like sort of like spirit in. Yeah, and I mean I think yeah. it helps that Yuji Horror is spearheaded it for the most part for like mm-hmm. the entire series. And so like him and his team, of course, it's not just one person, but like it's that vision that he's had for that entire series along with others that I think has uh, really helped keep that series consistent in its quality. Like it's never I've never felt disappointed playing a Dragon Quest game. Um Final Fantasy of course has got like, you know, it's kind of a roller coaster ride for people and I think that I just mean more of like a general consensus on the series uh, on the whole, not just, you know, your personal opinion. Dragon Quest seems to be getting this bigger and bigger and bigger and Final Fantasy has got like they experiment obviously they experiment a lot more with Final Fantasy and you know, that's the one way to grow your series. And so, I don't want like I don't I don't think like Dragon Quest is like I, I get I, I totally get what you're saying yeah like I, I don't think like Dragon Quest is like stale like no I don't like, think so I meant like it's it's it, I've always had but, a good time with Dragon Quest that's what I mean it seems like I, I know this isn't true for everyone obviously but it seems like Dragon Quest is a type of series where there's a little bit more consistency in its style mm-hmm. and its that's tone. what I mean yeah so like if you like one Dragon Quest game chances are you'll like a lot more of them if you and don't you can, like you, Dragon, yeah, if you, you don't like, like Dragon yeah. Quest you probably you know, they're you know they're all they all have that similar feel to it, so you may not like any of them. That's that's or, the thing is that Final you Fantasy make, oh, is more like you said, kind of just they're so experimental between ver- between entries. Um, I do know some people who will say that Dragon Quest Eight is the only good Dragon Quest game. They're <laughs> so, fucking liars. Yeah. I haven't played the other ones. Uh, Adam, uh, but... <laughs> I, have a, I have a quick I have a quick question, Adam, since you have a relatively fresh memory on very old Dragon Quest games. Uh, well, just very quick thoughts. Doesn't have to be super long on one through four since you played them somewhat recently. It's on one through four. Okay, so Dragon Quest three is amazing. Uh, it's yeah, I played the, the, I, the best. I played the mobile version, so I know it's you know they tweaked it, made it more user friendly or whatever, probably than the NES version. Um, but Dragon Quest three is basically like the Final Fantasy five of Dragon Quest, and what I mean by that is it has the job system. It's really really flexible in how you build your team and characters. Was that the first installment with the drop system? Uh, the, the, the job si- system. Oh, I said yeah. Job si- yes, yes, it was. Yeah, it was the first one with the job system, and then it didn't come back until six and seven. And oh, nine. okay, yeah. Oh. Um, so, and so that game, that game is also really tough. It's by far the hardest Dragon Quest game. So it's the type of game where like you cannot grind. You you will not get far if you grind. It really tests you on like 
you have all these jobs, you have this equipment you can buy, you have these skills you can use, figure out which ones work and go with it. So that's one that's one thing I really appreciate about it. it it's, it's actually kind of frustrating almost how tough it is. So I can see why some people may not care for it, but it's, it's so satisfying when you kind of figure it out. Aha, this combination of classes and skills working for me or whatever. So that's what I really like about it. Um, it doesn't have much of a story considering its age. Um, one one interesting thing about Dragon Quest Three is it's it, it's it, it took me probably probably an embarrassing long time to realize this, but it's based on the on the on the Earth globe, like the actual world in terms of the continents and things like that. Like, wait, <laughs> this continent looks a lot like Australia. Wait, that one looks like mm. Africa. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like upside down or something like that. But um, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Dragon Quest One and Two are almost hard to compare to the others because they're so different. They're much more basic. Yeah, uh, like Dragon Quest One, like your enemy parties, they're, they're like you're only fighting one enemy at a time. Even it's that's how you know fundamental it is. It's also uh, super short. Dragon Quest Ten is like yes. ten hours. <laughs> that's in the perspective, like a hundred hour Dragon Quest Seven. It's a ten hour game. Yeah, so. Dragon Quest One and Two you can beat, you know, in a week. Yeah, it's they're both very short. Um, Dragon Quest Three as well, but they're they're harder they're harder to really compare because they're just so fundamental. Um, they're really open. They one of the best things about those games is like, um, the part of I think each of those games have a part where you basically have to find five things on the world map or something like gems or rings or something. I don't remember exactly. So there's a lot of it that doesn't really like guide your hand. Like you need to go here now. It's just like find it. You have the world map. Now you have to find these things and go find it. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's very very open like that. Um, Dragon Quest Four is probably my least favorite. It's not um, that. It's. I don't remember much about it. Dragon Quest Four. The thing that's unique about that is about half the game, maybe a little bit less than half. It's more of this vignette style where you're starting, you're playing as different main characters. Uh, you have, you have the Sarina Elena. You have uh, Torneko, the shopkeeper. Oh yeah. You have, uh, you have uh, the the dancer and the uh, and the Oracle twins. Oh, the, like the purple arch? Yeah. Yeah. So like these characters are like are pretty key characters in the series, but then you kind of play these like different like mini stories with each of these characters, and they kind of all come together. Um, but I don't know. I just wasn't really feeling it um, in terms of like how these little stories played out. It was I, I did enjoy it better when they all kind of came together, and you finally had like a full party, and that you could mix and match and do what you wanted to. But kind of getting up to that point was kind of boring to me, honestly. So. <laughs> I mean, personally, um, I would say anyone listening to this interested in getting into the Dragon Quest series, what you need to know, there are three Dragon Quest titles I would personally recommend. Three, definitely, because it's the most pure Dragon Quest game you could ever play, uh, just because of what Adam was talking about. Dragon Quest V is great because if you like Pokemon, you actually catch monsters in that game. And well, so, you don't and have you to. Go, yeah, you can totally ignore it if you want. You can totally ignore totally. it if you want to if that's not your thing. But I think it's it's great. And as we talked about, there's like generations, so you grow over the course of that game. Six is great too. I think it's probably the best, but it's actually kind of hard to get into in a little bit because it's it's great because it's it takes the uh, the job system but creates hybrid classes like Final Fantasy yeah. Tactics did, where you can like take some like the traits from other classes and to make your own. Um, so that I think that was great. It's not a good starting point, but I would say start with like three or five, and then you know six is kind of for me six is kind of like close to the peak of that. Eight obviously is is so damn good, but like six I, I think is that if you like the uh, for the two D ones, I think that was the best one. 
So I think if you if, if you really if you if you, if you really like five stories, is great. Five is great, if you yeah. really like story driven RPGs, five is definitely the most. Yeah. So oh, it's Dragon the best Quest. access point, if anything. But also, yeah, it's it's probably it's, it competes with six for me for like the best. So that's that's what I would say. But when uh, so are you pretty much done with Dragon Quest Eight or getting pretty close there? I know it's a hundred hour game, I'm, but <laughs> I'm basically at the point where I got the Godbird, which is the basically the airship flying thing of this game. Oh, and that's right. So now that. I'm at the point where I basically can explore and go anywhere. So, and are you going to go for the hundred percent completion at this? Oh rate? man, I know you're a completionist. I'll, I'll, I'll dabble in it. See what I, sure. I don't remember exactly. I know they added a couple of dungeons in this version, so yes. I haven't really been able to see what those are exactly. But I know, like, the original version had post-game stuff where you fight, like, these post-game dragons that were incredibly tough and had, like, weird limiters on them. And, like, you can't use magic attacks or something like that um, to kind of challenge you. I'll, I'll dabble in that. Yeah, see what it's like. Great. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I'm, I'm probably thinking about, like, getting rid of my 3DS. But, like, I would love it if they eventually brought some of those games back to, like, the more current stuff. Like... Eventually, Switch. I want to see Dragon Quest Eight on the Switch. I know that's ridiculous, but I would, I totally want to play that game on a on a virtual console. If they have 3DS virtual console on the on the Switch, that's what I'm hoping for, or the Switch Two, whatever happens. Uh, I'd rather play it that way. See how it's like. Um, or who knows, PlayStation Two virtual console. It's not, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, not virtual console. I mean, like PlayStation Two on PlayStation Four. But Square Enix has been so anti that type of experience that like. Considering they'd rather how, sell you remasters. Come on now, yeah, it's crazy how when you think about how you think it's it's like a Nintendo thing because of like you know nine and ten and I mean ten I guess is on PlayStation Four now, so that's or it was announced anyway um, for that. So it's so bizarre thinking about well, like Dragon Quest Eleven is what PlayStation Four yeah and Switch 3D, yeah and like Switch. that's dude, that, that's 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 not a that's oh, not a. Gosh. That's not a combination of things you get very often. No, and, like, multi-plat on a Nintendo platform these days. So. Oh my gosh, yeah. it's it's going to be so confusing. Like if you want to play those old games, I guess it just comes down to you know just buy the old platform and and experience it that way. Otherwise, you know, PlayStation Two, just get a PlayStation Two or a backwards compatible PS3 and play it that way, um, or an emulator. Anyway, so great. Uh, that's all you've been playing so far, Giant Quest Eight. Then, yep, it's a long game. <laughs> Uh, great. All right. So uh, for me, then, uh, it's been kind of a weird week. So I've, of course, been, as I said last week on the podcast, I showed up my playthroughs of Valkyria Chronicles 3 and Panta Dragoon Saga. Um, a recent Windows 10 update, though, broke gamepad support on the comp- on the Windows platform. Like if you try to plug in your PlayStation 4 controller or the Xbox controller, um, at least Xbox One, I believe, uh, it would cause havoc on your OS, like the Ooh. mouse would slow way down, and it wouldn't be able to. I couldn't do anything until I restarted my computer, so that it really sucked. I couldn't record anything, but I should still have a new um, Valkyria Chronicles three episode up tomorrow on Sunday. Panzer Dragoon Saga has been delayed from last week to like this upcoming week, so I'll be posting that starting Wednesday, so everyone can look forward to that. But I haven't really been playing other games so far. Um, criminal Go- girls. I'm still kind of just grinding levels there, so that's just been me. So let's is get this into your news. second. Huh? Is this your second playthrough of Valkyria Chronicles Three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I already okay. beat it the first time. Went through uh, one of the because there's two paths you can take in that, um, and I played yeah. the first one. I really wanted to try the second one, but meaning to do that for the past few years. 
uh, now I have an excuse to play through that game again because I wanted to experience that. And people have been, you know, really clamoring for it. Uh, localization. Figured I'd try out the English fan translation, which I think is pretty good. I think that they uh, are had <laughs> they clearly had typos and translation issues and trying to fit the text inside the dollar yeah that's box, super tough because like, like the character limit on like the psp is like you can fit a bunch of it like the like uh, japanese characters but like just uh, just like the length of like english characters like the alphabet is it's tough that's why tough. you know it's it's like that's why that they have to make those concessions during localization is that they have to cut out dialogue and whatnot just so it could fit mm-hmm. uh, and, and so in the case of like a fan translation, they tend to do it more literal and that, you know, they don't really change much at all just because they don't have maybe the creativity to come up with different dialogue that way. So they just stick with what is there and that causes that bleeding. Uh, it causes it like the text to bleed over the dialogue boxes. But I've been kind of just when during the video recording, I just kind of uh, speak it so that people can still tell what's happening on screen. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. Good idea. Yeah, of course. So once again, we'll have a, uh, two new videos up this week fuck here chronicles 3 part 2 and then the first part of my pentagon saga which is a fucking great game i can't wait i to love everyone... Saga. Uh-huh. it's so good I, I can't wait for everyone else to be able to witness that game uh and for themselves just because of how great it is and how it was so ahead of its time yeah it's, it came it's, out. it's impossible shit. that it's going to get a uh any type of remaster because of the yeah the lost source code and all that that people had to deal with it's crazy to think about just because, you know, it's it can, you can play it totally on an emulator, no problem, but, or, you know, and, and discs, of course, do exist for that game. And so you just wish that people could just dump that and just put it on a, yeah. an existing platform. Like, why does it have to be the if source only. code? But I don't it's the, that you need You need the masters for that. Just yeah. like if you want, like, any sort of, like, enhancements on it to actually make it work on the systems. Like, just the, just the way that, like, you compile code back then versus now is so different. Yeah, exactly. It's just not that going to be like a like a straight grip transfer. It's like if the world worked like that, I'm sure we'd see a hell of a lot more, you know, remasters. Yeah, that's the case. But I mean, I just don't want it to end up like Silent Hill was because I reviewed two mm-hmm. and three for uh, another site I worked for, and that was a, a nightmare because Konami gave the developers the pre-original release source code for those games, yeah. like pre-original release, not pre like th- that they dumped it on them and they had them try to do what they could with that and that's that's tough that was that Real was tough. the worst possible thing they could do not even like the pc version of those games the playstation 2 versions and that just that's why it turned out as poor as it did you know but speaking of which i want zone of the enders to come back but anyway uh, <laughs> yeah, one or two know, reach but... me. i want them to be released on playstation 4 uh, but only. I'm not going to get into the, those remasters so much. I just think you think of like the like the concept art they had for the PS4, yeah, the oh, PS4, so PS3 good. game. I forgot it was it was crazy. Yeah, ah. beautiful, beautiful. Zone of the Enders Second Runner is one of the best games of all time. For sure. Yeah, one was Evangelion. <laughs> Pretty much that's all. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't have as much problem as that game as a lot of people did. Uh, I was fine with it back yeah. then. I was like, it was kind of it's kind of neat, you know. Yeah, but the, I, I kind of like yeah. there there was something charming about it, the sm- the small scale story of it. Yeah, the voice acting, I think, kind of didn't do so great. But like, <laughs> okay, that, that was probably... Yeah, it was a lot of, like, you know, uh, protecting and a lot what of, was, like, escort missions in that game. What was the girl's name? Like, uh, Celine, I think? I don't remember, What's the girl's man. Name? It's been Fuck. so... I haven't played that game since it came out, so... <laughs> didn't that... That came, that came with a demo, didn't it? Zone of the Enders? It came with... Yeah, it came with the Metal Gear Solid 2. That's the only reason it sold. Yeah, but yep. I... I 
personally appreciate it. You know, because we're, we're talking about that. Dragon Quest Eight came with the Final Fantasy Twelve demo, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we can tie this into what we were talking about, and that Dragon Quest Eight is a way better game than Final Fantasy Twelve ever hoped to be. So uh, people will take. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I will, okay. Yeah, you're right. No, no I'll Dragon, say about that. Dragon Quest Eight is way better than Final Fantasy Twelve. I don't care. Both are great. Both are okay. I think we're all no. I think I think that's like objectively <laughs> clear, you know. I think they're one and two in history, best game, second best. No, I mean Final Fantasy yeah. Twelve is not that great anyway. Um, let's get into news though, because we've got some stuff to talk about here. Um, yeah, this is kind of like breaking news just from a few days ago, uh, because Bandai Namco had a had a secret press event that we found out some news about uh, the day of that they they uh, lifted the embargo. So the biggest news that they announced was Nino Kuni 2 Revenant Kingdom is coming to PC with a simultaneous worldwide release uh, sometime later this year. Uh, it, it was kind of a bummer when we thought about it that, you know, all we've seen so far from that game is two trailers. So they've been pretty quiet about that. Um, but there was this preview event that they released some new details about it uh, and then announced, yeah, it's, it's coming to PC. Uh, it seems pretty clear that the original Nino Kuni is definitely not going to find its way to PC just because of the licensing Ghibli. issues and Ghibli's yeah. no longer involved and all that. Yeah, so that seems to be very unlikely outside of maybe PlayStation Now. You know, that that seems... I think it's... Is, is Nino Kuni on PlayStation now? Or? I feel like it is. I think it is. If I, if it's not, I'm sure it's it is in Japan because Nier is, uh, and that's a bummer that it's not here. Uh, but yeah, that that's great news. I think the the big revelation though out of that, besides the fact that it's coming to PC, is that there aren't any familiars in Nino Kuni too, and that's a huge bummer. <laughs> yeah. So Adam, what do we do? <laughs> well, yeah. So the, the first Nino Kuni, uh, for people not familiar. Um, while you have your main three characters, most of the battle is actually done through the familiars that you kind of attach to each one. Yeah, you can and have like a max of like three familiars you per can, character. You can have three familiars per character. You can switch them in and out as you go. So, so there's a lot. So and they each had different like things that they did, whether they were like tanks like, taking damage or magic or healers or things like that. Yeah. So a lot of the gameplay in Nino Kuni was kind of like switching in and out your familiars as you needed them um, on the fly in battle. Um, it wasn't, it was a little bit clumsy and awkward. And I know the game did get a little bit of, maybe not a little, maybe more, even more than a little bit of criticism for that. Not, not the familiars themselves, but just kind of some of the mechanics and how the, the battle flow was all over the place. Yeah, it was a lot of menu diving in the middle of combat. So it didn't really flow very well. So it seems like they just, their, their solution to that is just to take them out, <laughs> take them out entirely. And I, I I'm kind of mixed on that. Cause I feel like, well, Maybe it didn't work perfectly the first time, but it also gave Nino Kuni kind of this unique style that no other game really yeah. had. And now oh, if it's Puss in Boots and Nightcap, why too? Yeah. <laughs> I can't beat them anymore. <laughs> I'm so sad. So, so, so now that you're basically... So we, we know of uh, like three main characters. Um, we have Rolando, who is kind of the... Uh, I, I guess he's British or something. Uh, the older That's guy. That's all I gotta say. It's just he's British. <laughs> he's got the suit coat and all that. Yeah. Uh, the, then you have the king, the prince. I mean, the young prince. He's the king, yeah. What's his name again? Shoot. Um, I'm blanking here. I'm blanking too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one second. Evan. Yeah. And then you have, oh, yeah. and then you have the girl. Um, one second. Tani. So those are like the three main characters that we know of right now. Um, She's like a pirate, by the way. Yeah, a pirate girl. Um, so like, I, do, are those like those are the main characters you have in combat, and that's. 
from what we've seen, it looks to be like an action-y combat system. Yeah, Polygon um, posted up like uh, some footage yeah. from the event, and it's a, there's the, there's still the overworld map. Um, right. The obviously the combat is much more like sped up because you don't have to manage familiars. It seems a lot more. It, it's, yeah, it's, you're still it, going to rotate characters, just not familiars. You know. Yeah, it's it's. Like, I'm still looking forward to it, but it's just I, I really like the familiar design, and I still have my Nino Kuni Collector's Edition book on the shelf that I'd like to look at uh, from time to time. It's got, I mean, it's still got some kind of creature combat with the, like the Higgledies, that's what they call them. Uh, they're yeah. just kind of, you know, they're, they're morphed creatures. They're not like the familiars that we're used to. They're kind of like spirits, you know. Uh, I'm, and, I'm interested to see because there has to be a lot more mechanics that they're, they're not like letting on, obviously. Like, I'm yeah. sure there's going to be like, I feel like at the moment, there's just like this weird gaping void to, that like will magically make combat like special again. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that they haven't revealed yet and they have said that the load times have been dramatically drastically reduced from the playstation 3 version so it's not going to be as a pain sometimes to deal with like the transitions so it's gonna be yeah as you said it's gonna be a lot sped up like everything about the game seems more sped up that's uh i've also uh hoped that like it's kind of a, a pet peeve of mine of uh, the Persona Queen, but like every single boss battle in my game felt like a tutorial because um, what's his name, uh, Drippy, I believe. Yeah, like uh, at, the, at, the, at the end of each battle, it felt like a tutorial. It's like here's how you beat this boss. It's like, thanks, Drippy. Oh, he's, yeah, he was. He, he, like he, he gives he give hints like, <laughs> yeah, this is when you attack or use this type of ability. So like you couldn't turn that off or anything. It just like it, it felt like at times like I was like maybe four fifths of the way through, and then like the second to last boss is just like, oh, here's how you beat the boss too. I'm like, okay, you get all right, drippy, I get it. Also, yeah, in terms of, I mean, obviously, I, I don't think there's any connection to the first Nino Kuni, um, and the storytelling might be pretty different anyway. But I know like yeah. the first Nino Kuni. Like the first, I don't remember how many chapters there were, but there was like five chapters of gameplay, and it kind of like meets like a sort of conclusion at the end of the fifth chapter. But then it's like, oh wait, there's actually a sixth chapter with like yeah, it's because it's it's like, the DS version uh, did not have the White Witch in it. So oh, is that, 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 that sounds familiar. Yeah, so they kind of they kind of added like a last chapter. Yeah, um, it wasn't like totally like it didn't feel like it was just a hundred percent tacked on, but it it was pretty close to that. It's like oh, I guess there's another chapter. <laughs> I mean, they didn't have much of a choice. It was like a whole different continent and all that too. So, yeah. but uh, it's yeah. cool though. I mean, the, like it looks band, great. Yeah. Bandai Neko has been like on a roll with like good PC ports, so that's uh, that's definitely true. With Berseria, seems to be pretty top notch, or at least it's <laughs> clean. It's a clean port. Um, and then yeah, uh, Nino Kuni Two just looks very, very, very good visually. So, and I know um, this this game uh, word is as that they they they've been focusing on an international audience from the beginning. That's why huh. they revealed it at a at an at an American event, and that's why it's getting a simultaneous worldwide release. So. That's a little. That's kind of. That's always kind of interesting to me when they're. It seems like it was that way because it was. Yeah, as you said, it was originally announced in the West, and so it, it felt like just like kind of like Dark Souls Two, I believe, was first announced uh, at the Game Awards, I believe, and so that was a pretty yeah, close. That, that was when they started taking it more seriously. Yeah, I remember my friends were like thinking when they saw the CGI trailers, like, "Is it a new Skyrim?" <laughs> <laughs> I do that right after the original that. release. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. so too. Yeah, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's way too soon for that. But yeah, it, it's it's clear that Bandai Namco, because yeah, Dark Souls is a Bandai Namco thing too. So 
Uh, they're definitely taking the West way more seriously. And that seems to be the case with a lot of it. I feel like even Final Fantasy, because they recently came out and said Final Fantasy was like the biggest release the series has had in like 20 years. In Japan, it was the worst release in 20 years. So that's, that's a uh, weird disconnect. Yeah, yeah weird disconnect. Well, even, even things like, well, E3 is, of course, like the, the biggest stage. So like even games like Nier Automata announced there. Yeah, so. Square Enix, their press event, they that's... had that. And uh Hopefully we also hear about the yeah and even like Tokyo RPG Factory is like a very ja- a yeah. traditional Japanese thing was first announced or at least the pro like the whole project was announced outside of their website for recruitment at E3 so it seems yeah to be that like, definitely uh, has to be like a worldwide stage now because like you know yeah. console gaming in Japan continues to shrink and whatnot so it it definitely has to be to keep your profits afloat you definitely have to aim for the worldwide stage these days yeah. Although, you know, you kind of hope that, you kind of expect that there's going to be more replacements for E3 anyway, and that's going to, like, they're going to spit out the news more. I mean, the fact that they announced it at PlayStation Experience where they announced Nino Kuni too. So it's it's like uh, they find their stage and they and they stick to it. Mm-hmm. I'm excited yeah. to see more about that game, and it seems like we're going to have to wait till E3 for more. Because, like, between now and then, what, there's, like, GDC. Or Ben and Emco could just do their own press event again. So it seems like that's that's heading towards a fall release at this rate. So Yeah, I'd bank on it. Yeah, definitely looking forward to more of that. And then other, the other thing they announced also at that press event was the localization announcement of Excel World versus Sword Art Online uh, for the PlayStation 4 and Vita. Uh, but as Adam points out, of course, that there happened to be a Steam uh, box art included uh with the, like the best assets. assets, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so weird. Now, as, as we were just saying, Namco is clearly uh, very friendly to PC now, but there were a couple of games like Sword Art Online that didn't make it on there. Oh, so, that was right, didn't it? It was like it was yeah, like, so like so. It seems like they're if uh, I mean, assuming I, I doubt that's just a mistake that they just do a PC box art for no reason, but <laughs> they're just like yeah, so, just like let's fucking so do it. it. So it seems like it seems like even games like that, which might be, but I mean, they already put like a. What, like the One Piece games and the fighting games yeah, on, the... on PC, so why not sort out online? So yeah, and they're that's... very friendly for it now. I'm I'm curious about that game. I mean, I wasn't a big fan of Hollow Realization because I didn't play the other games, but um, yeah, this that... was like more like Lost Song, I believe. And yeah, I, I I didn't get to play Lost Song at all, but I heard like some iffy things about the combat. But I'm I'm a little biased for this because I really like Excel World, and then I saw some gameplay at the Taipei game show event thing on their streams. And I was like, man, I, I really hope this is like enjoyable because it's it's kind of this one's kind of weird because it's, this has like 16 player like multiplayer lobbies or something or like there could be up to 16 players in like a multiplayer like instance. And it makes it's, you forget that the same person created both series. It's like you don't really think yeah. about that. Like they made both of those. Meki uh, Kawahara, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and and I have like a love hate relationship with both series because Excel World I think had the same problem that Sword Art Online did is that the first season was pretty good and then the second season were like blah <laughs> like it just kind of I, fell I, apart. I, I, I really liked the the second arc of the uh, oh he's that guy in the Excel World season exactly, such but, an asshole. He gets he gets his he just way, he was to. way I think it was way above and beyond like the typical asshole. I was like oh this guy's just oh, a yeah, little trier like, we're gonna put a camera in the girl's bathroom like fuck off. Oh, they did a really just, good job making us hate that character. 
it just made me feel like I, I could not support it because even whoever, I forget the name of the main character of Excel World, the boy, but he was like a huge pushover. And I'm just, I can't, okay, guy, got, you're not going to stand up for yourself at all. It's just sad. Like, I had all these excuses that I could come up with for his behavior. Like, why didn't you tell a teacher or something? But no, he's like, oh, I'm just a, a socially awkward boy. I can't. God damn it. Whatever. Like, he's, he, he, he gets his whatever. He gets his development. It's all about like this. There's this. There's this chick who has uh, who's on a fucking wheelchair that kicks ass in a wheelchair. When she finally stands up, she gets a fucking jetpack and does like kung fu moves with a jetpack. It's 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 great. It's awesome. <laughs> That's all you gotta sell it for. I, I I just I made the joke on a tweet. It's like this is the biggest collection of like nerds like because these are all technically they're all like huge nerds because they're like they they play video games all the damn time and they don't have like a social life and that's like this huge collection of that in one game it's like i guess you can relate to them because even kirito was like he didn't like the way he looked in real life it was like all this weird stuff but Man. I really hope that game's like fun. I would. I definitely want to check it at least. Yeah, but I'm I'm kind of cautious just because like it's a straight up action RPG as opposed to like Sword Art Online, which is kind of meant to emulate the MMO lifestyle, and that made it interesting. So I guess we'll see if it's able to hold up. It's compete against East or something. I'm, I'm more interested because like each Excel World character like has like their own like gimmick to them. Like opposed to, like Sao characters, like they have like you know their sword skills and whatnot. But they kind of kind of seem to merge. Like say Yuki versus Kirito, you know, it's kind of kind of like two two sides of the same coin. While in Excel World, you have one that like turns into a fucking panther and wrecks shit. The other one is flying around in a jetpack doing kung fu moves, and another guy has like a giant ass pile bunker that can like extend out. And I, I kind of just that I hope that like this game like makes each Excel World character like feel super distinct from one another and you know, switch been, it up. Has there been an Excel World video game yet? There has been on the PSV. I think it was like a maybe like a fighting game. I remember it being ass. So yeah, that's I remember that too. There actually has been an yeah. Excel World. Game. So yeah, that's and so that game is supposed to be out sometime this summer. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's from the Western side. So uh, hopefully we get that to hear more about that. That was like at the end of January. Um, in japan so very soon i think this upcoming week is when it comes out yeah i think so too that's that's when it's slated for release so that's that's the and and then speaking of which uh for a recent release um mobius final fantasy coming to uh pc on february 3rd i don't know if you guys played it i I didn't play i remember there's like a pretty boy in it like that you play as he just wakes up it's it's an interesting game uh adam or brian did either of you play that game because i definitely did have not okay well so it's um it's it's got a lot of the free-to-play catching um catching such as you know the stamina system and all that stuff it it's a game that only plays in portrait mode so with like that's how they designed the game so you can't play it in landscape at all so you have to hold your phone up and down that's how they did i wonder it. how um, that's going to translate to the pc release that's what i'm kind of concerned about a bit i mean the screenshots seem to paint it as they they did the transition well i kind of hope that that means they'll bring it back to the mobile space in landscape mode too just because that that's that would be a nice option but in any case um it started off kind of like a good looking game and it it's very heavy on the aliasing so like all the jagged edges everywhere it's 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 gotten a little ugly over time but um it's like a traditional like turn-based uh rpg but it's card based as well so you like you you get all these cards they can do and they're all like summons and uh from and monsters from the series history 
Um, and there's a job system in it, so your main character can change all these different to these different jobs, such as you know knight, mage, uh, archer, all that stuff. So, um, and there are tiers to the the classes themselves, and your level up over time. The thing I remember most, and I played a lot of this game, it's that the overworld is like point to point on this map, and so there's things such as uh, uh, besides regular combat between monsters, there's also like tournaments and. Uh, like, you know, straight up just, like, uh, a, a tournament mode that you go to an arena and fight off different enemies with. Um, like, it's, all I remember is just hitting the auto and then letting it go. Because it's like, it gets so complicated over time because it's like there's, like, this energy system oh. that you can do so many actions. And you're supposed to, like, throw up different types of shields that are supposed to protect you against certain elements. So, it's, so and you're supposed to, like, increase your... Uh, the amount of damage you do against the enemy, but also before the enemy hits you, you're supposed to throw up a barrier to protect yourself against that element's attacks. It's That's already too much like thinking of a mobile game. It's 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 overly complicated. I think like it it gets really deep deeply complicated at times. That I I like I said, all I did was set it to like the fastest speed and then switch it to auto and didn't touch anything even during boss battles. And I got through most of that game just fine. Like, is this the, is the standard flow of it like you get you you choose a point on the map and there's like a stage and he's and the dude runs from point A to point B, but like there's like uh, encounters in between. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Um, okay, it's it's like that type of experience, and there's like different um, love, like like so you go to like say a, a dungeon or something like that. There's like mm-hmm. a number of floors, and a lot of it is like gating you access to like the additional points of the map. So like you have to, uh, for example, say like there's all these nodes in a circle. You're supposed to get through like five of them before it unlocks a gate over here that you can also move towards um uh-huh. and also like in some of these nodes will lead you to a treasure box but to get to that treasure box you have to beat this boss in the set spot um and there's like uh special enemies that s- sort of teleport around the map kind of like you know mario brothers 3 or something like that like they kind of just appear randomly oh, okay. on the map yeah. um in this fast travel bits, so you have to like go to a gate to fast travel to a different section of the map, um, and you you know you like you could totally just run to that point, uh, but you get stopped at each node, and you you might get in combat, but you can escape. It, it's it's your typical kind of like you know mm-hmm, tactics. Yeah. Like if you play like Final Fantasy Tactics or something like that, it's kind of right. like that the overworld map point to point type of design. And uh, the combats are right, and you have like this familiar character, like this this person, like this mascot that's like on your shoulder, kind of like a mag from Fantasy Star. That's uh, with you. Oh. You can customize their look, um, and they can do like bonus things, such as like heal you r- randomly. It's like a lot of it is up to uh, math based on when they're going to uh, trigger that automatic revive or okay. heal or something like that. But it all all comes down to, like, the deck you've built. And you have this PvP. And apparently with this release, they're going to throw in the Final Fantasy remake. um, uh, Oh, like the little assets things? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an event that you'll be able to recruit uh, Cloud. And I think in Japan, I don't know if they've done this. They oh okay they definitely have not done yeah, this in the I, I, yet I, I, but they they introduced a female character that you can play as so there's a male that that's all you've got now but there's a female character and there's voice acting okay. of course too so that's big um, but so far they haven't leaned over the female avatar that you can have it's but they are uh, releasing the Final Fantasy VII remake event um, which has already gone on in Japan it's just that it's it's coming to the English version and okay. that'll be out. 
I, I'm not, I don't know if it's February 3rd. I think it was like February 7th or something like that. Anyway, that's going to be out that uh, next week as of this recording. So I just think it's like the, the whole proposition of like they're making a PC port of like one of their mobile games is weird because I wonder if there's like this like a precedent for like you'll see Record Keeper or Brave Xevious. Like maybe they'll see PC ports. Like I think it just. It's just a weird move. Hasn't uh, that, hasn't that, haven't they done that already, or for, am I, I mistaken? It. Well, like, I mean, I like so. the, the, I mean, like the Steam versions of Final Fantasy V and VI are based on their mobile versions. Well, that's true. They're not. They're, they don't have like, that, yeah. free to play style. So, I could have sworn well, this was like a free to play port. To Steam. I would love to see the the like the, the, the city mobile game get a PC port. I think that'd be cool. Oh, like it, it hasn't that, even come out yet. It hasn't, hasn't come out, but it, it, it hasn't come out, but it looks immediately super adorable. you're port begging. That's all I do. Like, Look, oh, it, like, it's like mobile. It looks really cool. I, I want to try it. No, but it just—it's like immediately. Why isn't Square Enix put Final Fantasy Tactics on Steam yet? Huh? Yeah, that's that's, tactics. A, that's a huge. That's what it is. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's speaking of which. Yeah, today is Final Fantasy Tactics uh, North American birthday, and so yeah, I would love to see that, and you know, War of the Lions specifically, just because the. They well, the PSP version the is kind of gimped, and then like yeah. the the mobile version of Final Fantasy Tactics. Not only does it not have the slowdown issues, but it also has just better sprite work in general. Like they, yeah, that's, so, that's like, way it'd, it'd be nice to get that on on anything other than a phone. We're waiting yeah. for the definitive version of Tactics one yeah. day. <laughs> it's a it's a huge pain. So hopefully hopefully we'll get some news about that relatively soon. But yeah, Mobius Final Fantasy. I mean, I would still recommend checking it out because it's better than you know your normal typical con it's got you know it's got a campaign mode and like i said it's got plenty of voice acting in it as well i think the voice actor of the main character is kind of blah like it's it's very moody <laughs> it reminds me a lot of squall <laughs> in a way it's like he's he's like i don't care about anyone or anything like i i just do what i want it's 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 got it's got that kind of attitude his, his attitude it's an ff game yeah it, uh, but it's it's <laughs> i mean it's mostly eight. Like, if you think about the other Final Fantasy games, that so okay, really maybe good maybe Lightning in a sense. Well, yeah, it's got that very moody main character, but you know, uh, it makes me wonder about the female avatar if it's just the exact same dialogue, but you know, female voice actor. But in any case, that's that. Yeah, that's going to be out here pretty soon, free to play. So might be worth it to check it out uh, for a little bit there. Moving on to some other news that we've got here, though. They recently announced the latest Dark Souls 3 DLC, The Rain City. Sorry, what? The Dark Souls? Dark Souls. Dark Souls. I've got a speech impediment, so it's hard for me to say ours, so i just let you know. Dark Souls. Dark Souls. Thanks for calling me out, buddy. <laughs> I'm just kidding around you. Dark Souls 3, uh, The Rain City, um, after kind of the uh, not great reception to Ashes of Arlindel, Ariandel, um, I'm kind the of the last Souls content period. Yeah, that, I mean that's that's or and yeah, who knows? It could Ashes, be yeah, this is the final DLC. Mostly thing. got hammered because of its length and its content, like it's very short. variety. Not not because it was poorly put together or whatever, but just because it was kind of a a start to finish two and a half three hour thing with one real boss. Yeah, which is kind of pretty, very very thin. Bad. Absolutely, and so they announced. Yeah, the the DLC. They put out a trailer for that. Um, what is Ring City? What, what, what's new? This new, has, this new adventure has players chasing after the slave knight Gale to the literal end of the world as he searches for the dark soul, dark soul of humanity. Yeah, and oh, thank you, Mister From Software. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's gonna. Uh, they'll it, encounter it, ancient sorry. beasts and new cast of characters teetering on the edge of insanity. 
<laughs> I'm just reading the press release here. Yeah, so they yeah they so they announced that uh, the Rune City uh, that'll arrive um, on March 28th in America and Europe, so da- uh, same day. And then they also announced a Game of the Year edition, Dark Souls Three. Uh, the game of the year edition that'll be out. Does on... it have a like a game of the year edition name or just, just no? It's, it's okay. So in America, it's just straight up called game of the year edition, and it's still okay. got that that piss yellow background to it, nice. which is very which very disappointing. Um, whereas in Europe and Japan, this is what you're talking about. It's called the Fire Fades Edition. The box art for that is amazing, and it, it makes me so upset. That... It's weird because the first one is Prepare to Die, the second one is Scholar of the First Sin, and then third one in America is Game of the Year Edition. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't. I totally, Finally, yeah. It's there's these. Okay, so there's two editions as far as I can tell. Yeah, it's it's the Fire Fades Edition, um, and then yeah, there's the the Game of the Year Edition. Uh, Game of the Year is April 21st. The Fire Fades Edition is out on the 20th. I want, you guys need to look at the box art for the Fire Fades edition, and you and I think you can agree it looks really damn cool. <laughs> it's 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 the kind of box art that kind of shows like how the how decrepit yeah, so the like, world is and how disturbing things are. Obviously. And then you go to like the what I mean about the piss yellow. It's if you see the original box art for Dark Souls three, it's got like that very yellow background to it. That's exactly what the Dark Souls three Game of the Year edition looks like. So, but the the uh-huh. fire, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to find a uh, maybe uh, just game of the year edition is like a buzzword for some people where it screams like value or something. So it's like maybe it's like that title is actually worth it to them. Yeah. Like, do you have? Well, a, it's kind of a... weird. It's it's. I don't want to say it's a hard sell because we know that these Souls games in general are very high quality and well liked. But like Scholar of the First Sin had three DLCs bundled with it, as well as um a new ending, which I've never even seen the the Game of the Year edition Dark Souls 2 ending with the extra boss and enemy placements or whatever. So with Dark Souls 3, you're wondering, is it just the two DLCs to take on? Is there anything else? I'm not saying there has to be anything else, but they kind of already set that standard, and it's like, hmm. Okay, I, I finally saw the image for the Fire Fades edition. This actually looks pretty damn cool. Yeah, go... see what I'm talking about here? So this, I'll, I posted it in the Skype chat. That's what the Fire Fades edition looks like. So you can kind of see what I'm talking about. It looks really good. Then, I like how we're doing this on audio podcast, but it, I really like this, the general like theme of it. It's great. Just the the guy's like sword is just kind of like leaning up against him. It's all rusted. Yeah, it it, it kind of shows off what the world is looking like. I just think like yeah, if you look at the Dark Souls three, uh, all you really need to know is just it, it's just the the knight from Dark Souls three standing, and that's about it. <laughs> it just it, have it like it's like the, the mini the mini picture, the big picture, and then there we go. Uh, at the article, I it, like I feel like that guy on the on the ground with the sword just like is kind of like the embodiment of like every Dark Souls player now. Yeah. It's like it's been a lot. It's been a it's a lot. I <laughs> guess lot. I guess at the same, I wonder if that the Jap the European and Japanese version if it's got English subs because like if I'm gonna get a physical version, I'd kind of want that box art for my shelf. But that's just me. Reversible box art. Yeah. Hopefully. Let's do it. Hopefully. Yeah. My God. So that's that's going to be out uh the Rean City March 28th once again yeah that's the final DLC so hopefully we get to hear about their next game at A3 hopefully it's not Bloodborne 2 <laughs> and they core. make a whole new game cuz there's the word about it being uh a new um Armored Core I would hope so that'd be pretty damn good and they also said that it's like a new IP and I think they're also working on they said there's three things. I think another one was like a VR game. Yeah, something was like PlayStation VR. Maybe it's like Armored Core VR. <laughs> Great. 
Sign me up, coach. I'd be I'd be excited for that. After V was kind of like bleh, Armored Core yeah. V was not that great. Uh, I, I mean, it was, the it was final answer, whatever right, it was, yeah. yeah, yeah. Four answer was the last four one answer. I played. It was great, and that's it's weird because that is Armored Core Five. <laughs> well, they call it well, four Armored answer. Core is one of those series that refuses to count numerically. There's <laughs> one, <laughs> one gets a. There's like three or four different versions of Armored Core Two. Right. Yeah, there's like Armored yeah. Core 2, Armored Core, like Neck Ninebreaker, Nexus, and, and then, then another, Core age. Two, another Age. Last I remember and then last Armored, there is a base, Armored Core 4, which was shadowed, by, shadowed over by Armored Core 4 for answer, yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. It's not in Armored Core Four Four Answers. It's Armored oh yeah, Core it's just Four, four Answer. <laughs> yeah, it's Four Answer. That's from software four. they don't they can't decide. What was the Armored what? Core that had like that giant black object that you were uh, facing? Like it was like a was it like a tornado or something? I forget, I forget what it was. It was like this giant object. It was well, a recent one. To be honest, I never got into Five oh. or Verdict Day because I never heard of like it had kind of terrible word of mouth from everywhere. Yeah, it was yeah, more about it was, multiplayer plan forming. Like, it's actually not what you have a dedicated group, but that's the, once again, it's not exactly what you're looking for if you're like if you're used to like or answer because it, five is basically rock paper scissors. Do you have like the right formation, the right people with you, who know what to do? It's I can see what they were going for. It's just I don't want them to go back to it again because that's not that's not why I go to like armored core right. series. I go yeah. to fucking like, rad gigantic missions and uh, the arena stuff. I would like to see them move towards like a different genre entirely, you know. Visual yeah. novel. Let's let's do it. Uh, <laughs> well, like anyways, Dark, it'll be Dark it'll Souls be, visual novel. Dark yeah, Souls three, pulling yes. this back into yeah, pulling this back into Dark Souls. It'll be interesting to see how they uh what surprises are in the DLC because this is it. This is this is the end of it. Like there's I want there's gotta be some like surprise. Okay, at, at the very so, end, you'll just uh you you'll die for the final time and then and then your hand will unearth something, it'll say Bloodborne too, and that's the third. <laughs> And then your, you your save will be deleted. <laughs> That's just how it works. Speaking of DLC, though, we've also got news of Deus Ex Mankind Divided DLC. Uh, a criminal past coming on February Yeah, This one's kind of hard to get excited about yeah. for a couple of reasons. Because the about? main game, Mankind Divided, is the middle of the trilogy, which I guess kind of is. We're not sure if the third game's still being planned because of other things that Eidos is working on. Uh, so but anyways, Idos, yeah, Idos. Um, but anyways, the first DLC kind of was inconsequential. This DLC takes place before the main game, so when you have a DLC mission that takes place before the midquel of a trilogy, you just know it's gonna be. It's not gonna matter. It's gonna be a not a spinoff, but like it's gonna be a a footnote. It's gonna take four hours to beat. It'll probably have one interesting thing, and then it'll be over with. It's just kind of hard to get excited about it. It's not going to answer any questions. This actually is at a weird position because, like, just Mankind Divided was just like it's like a big bummer in general, right? I don't know. Like, oh, like with Human Revolution, it's like wow, it's back. It's interesting. It's something different because it's kind of like this stealth action shooter that we hadn't seen in a while and it was faithful to the original game in some respects and then this one's just kind of like it's more of the same and the dlc is like a bite-sized version of, cut in half <laughs> yeah it's more of the same cut in half and this is a bite-sized version more of the same and i'm sure it'll be i'm sure it'll be like fine i'm sure it's not gonna yeah. be like awful but it's just I, I have a hard time imagining it being something that's really memorable it's like it's weird because the like, when i go to dsx now like i kind of want it to be as good as Human Revolution, but like not just as good, but I want it to like surprise me in some ways, of and course. Mankind didn't do, do that, unfortunately. 
but yeah, I'll play through it and I'll, we'll see. I, I mean, I'm sure it'll, I'm sure it'll be like a fun evening, like playing through it. But I doubt it's going to take more than one day to finish. Okay, and... for the game of the year edition. For... Do they have a game of the year edition yet? No, right? No, but it doesn't add enough content to have a game of the year. Man, uh, Mankind Divided. I don't know what's what's came out for it yet. I don't know it's it's it, it's kind of silly. It had this is its second of two DLC packs. It had a season pass, but the season pass cost more than the two DLC packs because what? it includes like consumables, like oh my god, things like that. Oh my god, it's just kind of dumb. Ah. Like, I'm sure that stuff's valuable, and it's you can kind of squint and grit your teeth and justify it, but it's like no consumables don't belong. On on a season pass whatsoever, or maybe maybe they belong there, but you shouldn't use that to justify the season pass being thirty bucks, and the DLC being twelve bucks each. I think consumable no. DLC is just the worst. Anyway. Well, actually, I need to confirm. I'm not 100 percent sure that the second DLC is twelve dollars standalone, but that's what the first one was. I would. Not I don't know. Maybe, maybe the second DLC is eighteen dollars, and it's a wash. Oh, eighteen dollars! <laughs> like you talked about how it's not that impressive sounding. So, well, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to, you know, poo-poo on it before it comes out. But it's just hard to get excited about it. Yeah, it's not off for another few weeks. I, I remember, like, I remember, didn't they release, like, a DLC one for the Human Revolution that, like, it took place when Jensen was, like, asleep or something? Yeah, there's this one part in Human Revolution where you're basically out, out of commission for a bit, and they, it, that's where it belongs, which, as a piece of DLC, it works fine. But then they, in the director's cut, they sandwiched back in there yeah that so was weird like, yeah. and it's just kind of like it destroys the pacing apparently i've never played it that way i've only played it as a dlc but but yeah and then in mankind divided this next dlc is a prequel to the middle game so it's it's you it's going to be completely disjointed so, oh wow yeah. that's i would kind of hope that yeah if that is the game of the year edition that they're just going to be able to kind of because people have already beat the game, so going back and playing DLC like that seems, as you said, pretty distant. And like the, in the first DLC, worked like it did in Human Revolution, where you don't carry over your, your character, your progression. It's you just you're oh. given like you're given like enough points to spend, and then you just play it um, separately. Oh. So it's kind of weird. That it's is, mm. that is pretty bizarre. Then again, Witcher Three Game of the Year Edition, um, your save did not carry over to that one either. So that was pretty bad <laughs> but it carried over if you bought the dlc yeah that's right because so it's, 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 it's a similar uh, but different situation yeah but yeah so that's out february 23rd criminal past we'll hopefully get some good news out of that it's it seems like yeah that game's kind of been uh you know it didn't sell as well it did seems like the the general attitude towards that is definitely not as positive as the first one yeah, so lukewarm tepid lukewarm, tepid that's 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 exactly it but moving into actually uh, some big news here that we've got uh, for a game that was pretty well received upon release. Um, Pillars of Eternity is getting a sequel, uh, but that is up to the community, which I guess we didn't have to worry too much about, just like with the first one. So Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire was announced uh, for to be hitting the, uh, the crowdfunding platform Fig, which is kind of like a... Uh, a double fine type of uh, uh, there. This was my first exposure to Fig. Yeah, so, yeah it's, it's like an investment platform that you know, the based on the success of the game, the um, the the 
there's like a royalties that go back to the actual investors. So you're acting like an investor to the product itself, as opposed to Kickstarter, where it's like you just you know give the money and then you might get some nice rewards in the game itself. But that's like that's it. In this case, Fig is definitely like an investment platform in that you're kind of like a shareholder and that you get some money out of it based on the success, the amount of money that it makes in turn when it gets released. So well, yeah. most people that pledge won't. I think the minimum for invest is it's a like thousand. Ten, yeah, it's like a thousand like or so above. For, for yeah. most people, it's functionally like Kickstarter. That's and and you know the the tiers uh, kind of function as much. But you covered this, Brian. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, it got funded. It had the same funding goal of one point one million that yeah, the original game had, the and the original game topped out at uh, four million. And it got it reached its, it reached its original funding goal in 27 hours. This one reached its funding goal in 23 hours, which kind of surprised me because after the first game came out, I felt like I felt like it was kind of like yeah, it was good. And that was kind of it. That the conversation really didn't carry on very long. And then we got like a new tyrant, so you know it seems like that. Yeah, and then this is on a new crowdfunding platform. You just kind of thought maybe it wouldn't be as much of a it wouldn't speak as much to you know players and a crowdfunding campaign but i guess it did so it's a sequel so i, I played guess the, it already had the base right, right? yeah yeah and it's it's truly a sequel it's bringing over uh companions from the first game you play as the same character your decisions will carry over but you'll start over at um level one which i personally kind of like because yeah whenever whenever like stats or something carry over i end up like having to like oh i gotta play the first game min maxing and gotta <laughs> have most optimal you know thing gotta That's, put it out in my yeah. save file to carry over when this is just kind of like your decisions it's a little bit more like organic like who do i want to support who do yeah. i want to the balancing could be totally different in the second game too so right um so yeah they're working on stretch goals now i think they just passed a stretch goal for subclasses and they've got stuff for additional characters yada yada it'll be interesting to see uh what it ends up at compared to the four million from the first game well, but yeah tell us a little bit about yeah. the, the stretch goals like what's what's their biggest stretch goal that they've got right now uh, it's kind of weird because they don't they don't have a full list of stretch goals. Sure. I think the the current stretch goal that was this morning's furthest out was uh, at one point seven million. They introduce another companion. Uh, I don't remember the name uh, and a Polish localization, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like. Uh, as a stretch goal yeah i mean um, they're obviously big over there like, crpgs are huge in poland so i'm not too surprised about that right they so the land of witcher so makes sense yeah well honestly like i played through the first game when it came out you know pretty thoroughly you know got to max level did all the side quests or whatever but then i kind of i haven't really thought of it since you know i kind of beat it and it was that was the end of that chapter I didn't really think of it much so i kind of with the with me pledging to the second game and uh trying to remind myself exactly what transpired what were my main decisions sort of like that so i'll probably you know quickly blitz back through it just to refresh it because this game won't be out i think its current target date is uh quarter one 2018 which if anyone can hold to their date this is obsidian can i think um they know because you look at you look at like the torment game coming out that was originally kickstarted originally had a target date of 2014 and it's 2017 now and here it's coming out but uh so if it ends up getting delayed a half year or a year from that i won't be surprised or disappointed but i also wouldn't be surprised or disappointed obviously if it came out on time so yeah a year out yeah yeah that old section man it's kind of interesting because uh some of these isometric rpgs like divinity and torment are getting console ports but obsidian's tyranny and pillars of eternity one have not 
likely because they are real time with pause and not turn based. So it's kind of difficult to see how you complete. I'm sure it's doable, but maybe they don't have the resources to figure out how that works with a controller and things like that. Well, also, I mean, this was whole when they announced the original was it Project Reality or something like that? Like when they originally announced Project Eternity. Was Project Eternity, really... excuse me. Project Reality is a mod. Um, Project, yeah, Eternity. That was the whole idea was that it was a PC game through and through because they wanted to return to that the, those ages. So they said they didn't have any. They didn't have a console port in mind whatsoever for it. And I do not expect them to do that again with this, especially because like they have their entire base on there. So to take a sequel and put it on the console would be really bizarre. Anyway, as you said, it's a direct sequel, so. I really don't see it coming over at all. Well, one, yeah, one kind of interesting just uh, bureaucratic or clerical thing is that I believe what uh, FIG will allow them to do compared to the Kickstarter is that it will allow them to self-publish, yes. which is interesting because they were they published Pillars of Eternity with Paradox yes. and somehow set it so that they own the IP, which is allow, this is what is allowing them to do this, the sequel. But Tyranny was published with Paradox, and now Paradox owns that IP. Oh, yeah. I said so, Tyranny. I meant t- Tyranny, yeah. So, um, so I think part of the motivation for using Fig is so that they can know for sure that they're going to hold on to this IP because they're not a big studio. They're one of the few independents we have left, along with Platinum Games and a few others. So it's they're doing what they can and have to to uh, to hold on to their IPs, and it seems to be working. Funded in 23 hours, so I'm excited to see what they'll do with it. Yeah, it seems like it's, it keeps growing and growing. But that, considering the original made uh, four mil, nearly four million out of its 1.1 million, it's like you didn't expect that to do any worse. Um, great. Uh, let me just let me just let me just check right now. It is currently at 1.5 million after three days. So obviously, it's going to lose steam. Uh, and then yeah, the current stretch goal is 1.7. And full disclosure, um, you did back this game, right? Yeah, just for the base tier. Okay, so just just for a matter of disclosure on that front. I mean, and, and speaking of which, um, another game that had success on Kickstarter before and is trying to come back to that, Banner Saga Three also announced for Kickstarter. Now, two was not released on Kickstarter. One was, of course. So. The whole thing with Banner Saga 1 is that because it did so well on Kickstarter, they were able to expand the scope of the game, and so they were able to do so well. My understanding, from what I've heard over over the past few months, is that um, they did not bring Banner Saga 2 to Kickstarter because they just assumed that you know they had uh, the player interest in mind and that they could go ahead and just publish the the sequel no problem uh because the banner saga was originally planned as a trilogy to begin with so that it made sense that they were just going to release a sequel and so um they just wanted to spend their own money on this new game and just put it out and see what happens and apparently it was yeah it really underperformed and it it they felt like the developers themselves stoic uh even felt like it was kind of a, a disappointment a bit of a mistake going that route and so with the Banner Saga 3, this is their return to Kickstarter. Um, and I think Banner Saga 2, if I'm not mistaken, also came out amidst a huge amount of competition. Because <laughs> I remember like that particular month being super uh, super packed. And so they just couldn't sell that well as, com- as compared to when Banner Saga 1 came out. I think it was light that time. So that's probably also what happens with that. But yeah, Banner Saga 3 up on Kickstarter right now. Currently it's at... 181,000 out of its $200,000 goal with 38 days to go. So that should be doing pretty well. And this is its conclusion. So we'll have to see what happens with that. 
And also in Kickstarter news, Apocalypse Now, which is a Kickstarter that's been kind Weird. of it's cool. <laughs> The thing is with that is that they talked about a game for years. Uh, it's like uh, if I'm not mistaken, like it's it's going back pretty far. Like they were talking about making a game based on Apocalypse Now. Um, you know, Francis Ford Coppola. He was talking about bringing a game like that out for quite some time, and now is being able to do something like that. So now you've got this um, this game that's now on Kickstarter, and it's got some good pedigree uh, behind it. It's like you've got. Um, the lead writer of Gears of War and Battlefield. You've got uh, the... Um... I don't know if it agrees enough, to be honest. Uh, they're asking for a lot and showing very little. It's, it to... is. It's a lot of just pictures. They have a few screenshots. But yeah, they've got the the senior... I just want to run through the staff real quick. Mm-hmm. Is that you've got like the senior... Uh, the executive producer and, and studio director for Obsidian. Also on that. Because um, he, you know, he's worked on games like Fallout New Vegas. Uh, let's see here. I'm just kind of going through this real quick. So, if, um, yeah, he, he's he's uh, got yeah Montgomery Markland, pretty big guy, dude. Uh, was like the director of a lot of big games that came out, especially for Obsidian. Uh, and yeah, design director at Obsidian, providing external counsel. Yeah, that's the, I agree with you, Josh. It's that when you go to their Kickstarter, it's just a lot of like screen caps from the movie itself <laughs> and just a very few screenshots it's a lot of like uh you know what they hope to gain and it's kind of a bummer considering as i just said it's a game that um they uh were talking about making for a long time and only now doing it it's doing okay um makes people want to actually i'm, I'm going to do real quick is that it's let al- me see what kick track says because right now it's at one hundred thirty thousand. It's almost been of... 40 years since the movie release. Yeah. It was 79, well, I believe. Damn, I mean, there's a new is... Friday the 13th game coming out, yeah. so it's not like it's that crazy to think about. And that was very successful on Kickstarter. Oh, wait, was it, or did it do okay? I don't I don't know, but it's just... <laughs> right the, now, the, the, only, is... the only reason we're mentioning this is because it's pitched right now as an RPG yes. of some sorts. Oh, I just want to mention real quick. It, it Right now, it's trending towards meeting its goal, so we'll see what it's Okay. Like. Yeah, yeah, it I mean, is... I... Sorry. Go ahead. I'm not... I'm not... I'm not opposed to the idea. It's it's just I think it's just bizarre. Especially I want this to be like in the sense that it achieves its goal and then but they pump out is like another like battlefield or call of duty. It's like no. I probably I probably watch Apocalypse now like way younger than I should have. Like I that was probably one of the first movies I watched when I came to the US. It's not and a then, good movie. <laughs> I mean, I, it's, 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 it's okay. It's okay. I thought it was kind of like, even like I, I, I gotta, I was, at the end, I was just I, like kind of falling asleep. But yeah, it's just me. I, got a better, I have a better appreciation of it uh, because I took like film studies and whatnot uh, in college. And like the, there are certain like in terms of like narrative, it's not like super great. But like just evoking like, you know, the whole like second half of it, like being a, a super fever dream and like the malaria uh, kicking in and whatnot. Um, it's just. I think it's just a weird thing because I don't, I can't see how you make a game out of this. That's just I my totally, only concern. I actually totally do see it becoming a game because um, the whole design uh, um, perspective of this game, it's it sounds like it's going to be a lot like, say, Amnesia or Alien Isolated in that it's 
It's like uh, uh, the way it's described here. Let me just uh, make sure. I just think Spec Ops the line, which I actually really like Spec Ops the line, but it's not. It's no, not because, it's, it's not that. It's not, because, it's not because I. It's not because of like Spec Ops's gameplay. It's like the the way it presented its story. But uh, yeah, but the, in this case, Spec Ops was still combat heavy. This is supposed to be less combat heavy. Actually, it's supposed to be a lot. Like it's supposed to. You're supposed to be avoiding combat a lot of the time. Um, Spec Ops, of course, just tries to get into your head. Uh, what you're doing is wrong and all that and that's you know you can definitely compare it to this because that's as you said that's what apocalypse now is all like is that the horrors of war especially um like if you heard the stories about what actually happened during the production of that movie like, oh yeah about for sure yeah it's it's, it's uh, just... like martin sheen like having a heart attack <laughs> uh, yeah. during the production of that so all the all the bad stuff that happened there but yeah it's supposed to be definitely um leaning away from combat and add and be more story heavy so that's why i'm kind of it's not going to be like amnesia in the sense that you don't have the ability to fight back um but it does seem to be as you said it's the malaria setting in it's kind of more mind games that kind of um approach to it and so i'm i mean it sounds like a cool concept and they could totally do something with that I'd have to see more footage to, yeah. to, to, to like be convinced. Right now, it just seems like it's it's a really bizarre proposition at the moment. And when you think about it, there's definitely like there's plenty of examples of games that came out like decades after the fact. Like I mentioned just there, but also like the there's war, a, there's there was more the Warriors, and that was fucking great. <laughs> so that came yeah, out like, years and years after. Yeah, so. I'm not saying that like the, the, like there's no hope for this thing. It's just I I just think it's like very much a time and place thing. I don't know if like you can really kind of reintroduce that at the moment i don't know i think i don't know about time and place i mean it could totally work if it's good enough i don't know about time and place if that's a good argument for that but yeah it's at this point it it's going to meet its goal but just barely but you know if if people are you know not getting the updates that they want they could totally pull out and yeah it's it is a disappointing looking kickstarter page i'll definitely give you that so We'll see what happens, but yeah, it's apparently there's been a prototype for Apocalypse Now for years, and so I hope that they put out like a demo or something like that. I'm surprised they didn't do that in time for the actual. Uh, um, yeah, you would you would think. Time. I mean, what I, I really wonder, like, what is is this just being developed for PC at the moment? Have they listed any platforms? I do, I do believe so, and it's kind of weird. Because, I mean, it's it, coincidentally, it's that Markland. Um, helped produce you know wasteland 2 and torment and so <laughs> he's got the history of working on a kickstarter before and putting out their games but yeah there's just there's not enough there as it stands so hopefully we'll be able to get something like that here um yeah i'd be interested to see like if they like if hopefully they provide consistent updates and like get like give us a better vision about what their approach is to this i, I I'm, I'm definitely gonna like keep an eye on it for sure i mean they have said that a lot of the original cast will be having roles in this game and so that, you can see what? a lot of the voice actors come uh, a lot of actors coming back as voice actors oh. so that'd be okay. pretty cool just like uh, alien isolation I, I, can't, I can't imagine like they, they won't like be modeled after them though right just like maybe providing the voices i mean it could just like alien uh, isolation i don't see why they couldn't um I just in my head just it feels like the cost of that would be crazy, but it's, uh, it's apocalypse know. now the game, so I would hope that because uh, you know Kickstarter doesn't always have to be you know just the entire fund of the game itself. No, it's no, supposed to give them not. yeah, of course that the last but bit that they I mean need. if you if you just barely like of course they'll never disclose like whether it's like the gauge interest or not like who knows what else who no, else is like backing this that is a hundred percent what Kickstarter is it's to gauge interest on, on something um and I, I know but, I mean, that, but, but we don't know exactly like who is behind the scenes like you know who's willing to provide the funds for this game 
like not every Kickstarter is like uh, necessarily a hundred percent like gauging interest. Some of that Kickstarter money does oh, see Shenmue like development is a good example yeah. of that. But it's yeah, also so not every. yeah, it, it's it's that thing we always talk about that uh, Kickstarter is a terrible platform for people. Uh, who think they understand how much it costs yeah. for a game to be made? <laughs> so that's yeah. that's clearly not uh, one. The the nine hundred thousand that they're asking for on this Kickstarter is clearly not meant to ex- explain that. But just from the two screenshots that they've shown, it does look like they're really evoking that style of that. And they look it looks like a pretty intense game, just like the movie. So I guess we'll see. Maybe Robert Duvall shows up again. We'll see. <laughs> uh, talks about the smell of napalm in the morning so we'll hopefully get to hear more about that pretty soon but yeah we'll keep a close eye on that uh once again it is an rpg which is crazy to think about with that type of first person rpg you don't see too many of those outside of bethesda so see what happens with that um but that's it for news um talked about a lot today but let's get into where you can find us you can find us of course at rpgsite.net also find us at RPG site on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook.com slash RPG site net, YouTube.com slash RPG site net. We don't mention this too much, but we, uh, since Josh was talking about this before, our Twitch channel is um, the name is RPG site. So find us on Twitch. We're doing more streaming lately, but you know, like I said, we'll have all the archived videos up on our YouTube, uh, our YouTube channel soon enough. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and google play store i think it's on google play but it's on podcast apps regardless just search for tetracast and our discord.me slash rpg site you can find us there our permanent link not my, my discord yeah one year anniversary soon for the discord you literally said that last week no it just feels so close now like yeah. i'm looking at the calendar i'm like wow oh, who knows? do you have any plans for the one year anniversary uh, uh man what do people do on the one year anniversary of discords just have a have a cake <laughs> i mean discord has only been around for a couple of years it seems so yeah yeah i'll have to think about something i don't know how about we just unmod all the mods and get new ones? <laughs> it's like the, it's like a wash. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's like, that. It's just like a yearly wash of them. It's like yeah. ah, <laughs> they know what they're expecting. It's like you guys did your job poorly, but you know we'll get the new ones. Uh, nah, I love our mods. Our yeah, mods are awesome. Mods. Good. They're good. they're good. They're good. They, th- they, they they love Falcom a lot. Fortunately, they don't have to do much work. Our Discord chatters seem to be pretty on on. on yeah, we have an awesome community. We have the best community. Yes, the best community. And so, finally, we like to wrap up. And, of course, let us know where you can find us on Twitter. So, where, where can they find you, Josh? You can find me over at HDKarin, H-D-K-I-R-I-N. Um, just, yeah, shit goes up. Read it, it or not. Shit goes down. And, Adam, where can they <laughs> find you? K-I-N-G underscore S-E-D-A. Quinceda. And then, I know you were hesitant to do this last time, Brian, but what's your Twitter handle? Oh, here we go. Here we go. All right. <laughs> Z-E-O-M-A-S-S-I-C-O-T. And what does that spell? Zeo Masticate. There you go. And you told me so. last time that that's actually an element. So. Oh, uh, yeah. Masticate's some mineral. A mineral Don't ask. And Zeo because base Masticate was already taken oh. on Twitter. I thought Masticate was like something that you eat. Like a it's, 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 it's lead oxide, so it's poison. You probably so don't want to eat mm. that. Yeah. Delicious. It didn't sound like something you'd want to eat. <laughs> and of course, you can find me at Zachary's Z-A-C-K-R-E-E-S-E. Thank you very much, everyone, for watching. Uh, excuse me, watching. You can't watch this. Yeah, watching our, yeah, our box art. Uh, listening to our 
a latest edition of the TetraCast. We'll be here next Saturday, of course, with a new uh, episode. Thanks, everyone. Catch us next time.